0: Hello and welcome to Flippin' and Mashing, a podcast about pinball, arcade, video games, and whatever the heck else we have in our game rooms that we love. With you is Parnell and... Ryan! Again. Again.
1: You're the future Ryan. I am the future Ryan. I've come to save you from buying bad (laughs) pinball games. You don't need another Gottlieb, I promise.
0: I don't know, man. That Joker poker should make its way back.
1: No. <laughs> no.
0: We have another special guest. We're on a roll.
1: We really are. I'm super excited for this special guest, too, because we've been gushing about how uh, great he's been kicking ass lately. Uh, who who do we have uh, for our listeners, Parnell? We have Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, no, no. <laughs> that's next week. Damn it. Oh. You broke the news early. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have Nick Baldridge who... I've listened to from his podcast, Beginnings, and uh, he actually found my emails, which is funny. But Nick, hello.
2: Hi, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. You are known now, though, as the ranger in the ruin. (laughs) The ruiner of rangers, really, (laughs) if if we're being completely
1: honest.
2: (laughs) My favorite activity. (laughs)
0: You have done so much in the last just couple of years. Uh, I saw your text to Ryan, or maybe it was a message, but you were kind of like going through your little bit of your history of what you've done, and it was like, holy crap, I forgot about all these. It it was uh, pretty enlightening for me, too, because I <laughs> that was a lot of stuff. If we want to kick off normal, are you drinking anything, Nick? Uh, just some water for me. Is it filtered water, tap water, sparkling water?
2: I have a, a nice tap
1: this evening. There you go. Mm, yes. Ryan? Uh, I'm drinking uh, filtered water out of the fridge because Scott Denisi really needed to know that it came out of the fridge, but it, it's filtered in the fridge. It's not a Brita. So in case he's listening to this episode, <sighs> he now knows exactly what I'm drinking. <laughs>
0: I will say Duluth, Minnesota was voted like one of the best sources of tap water, flavor-wise maybe. I don't disagree with it, but I am drinking a premium alcohol seltzer press, lime and lemongrass.
1: Hmm. It's not
0: too bad. Trying to get off the beer makes me bloated and not feel good. Poor guy. I know. My life is so hard. You know? Oh, uh, well, let's see. We want to talk about how Nick can actually complete projects. <laughs> In a timely fashion a
1: lot of times, too, which is
0: nuts. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, my gosh. I'm just I'm so jealous of your project finishing ability.
2: Trick is never sleeping.
0: That's what Jerry said, and I, was, I thought he was joking, and then I read one of your posts that you were up all night programming. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. This that is happens
1: true. an embarrassing uh, amount of times. <laughs> well, it's not embarrassing if you're getting shit done. I mean, at least you aren't just like up all night like watching YouTube, getting lost and in, in the sauce <laughs> or something. You know, like you're actually like being productive. I mean, goddamn, <laughs> fixing one bug. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to know something? You, you you fix that one bug, and and you know that's one step closer, right? Yeah, it's true. Every little bit helps.
0: Speaking of, is there anything going on in your game room, Nick? Just uh, like a game room update or a a general update to what's going on?
2: Uh, So the last game uh, that I added was a Dance Dance Revolution machine.
0: Like Um, the arcade machine? Yes. uh, Holy smokes.
2: uh, DDR Extreme uh, for anybody who's uh, DDR fan. I'm a huge DDR fan. I've been playing since I was 17 and, uh, I play every day. So, um,
1: that's, that's
2: my cardio in the morning.
1: If Uh, I could get one of those to fit into my basement, I'd be all over (laughs) one of those.
2: They are awkward to move, but, uh, they do break apart nicely. They're just extremely heavy. Uh, if you think the P3 is heavy, uh, this is much heavier.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, it's an arcade cabinet versus a, 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 a pinball platform, right? The, the <laughs> dance platforms are the heavy part. Um,
0: they weigh a lot. Do you have like a walkout basement then? It's a garage game room. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know how you'd get that down the stairs unless you had some sort of Yeah. escalera. <laughs> I I uh, shudder to imagine,
2: but uh, but yeah.
0: When that came out, you must have been into, because I remember that being like the craze of, I think the media said, oh, the nerds are going out and, (laughs) you know, getting their exercise. And I remember being at the arcade and playing that and Silent Scope.
2: Yeah. um, That was uh, around the time that it came out. uh, I I was playing it. It just showed up in the mall, you know, and replaced the 7th Mix Machine, the arcade that I would go to uh would upgrade uh with machines from japan. And as I learned later on, they were uh bootlegs, <laughs> but I didn't know that at the time. Oh um, boy. But yeah. So um it's uh it's really fun. I, I don't know if you all uh, have played much, but uh I use a program called Stepmania and that allows me to load in songs outside of the mix that uh comes with the with the game
1: i'm pretty familiar with StepMania, and i've dabbled in ddr i'm not great at it but i definitely played a shit ton of it uh, i'm not good at it but it's fun yeah yeah for awesome. sure so i say I'd, I'd totally have one in my basement if it would fit and i
0: wouldn't die in the process of moving it <laughs> those two things until you got your home arcade version did you play the console versions
2: so I played the console versions, and uh, then I had a computer uh, that was running Stepmania as well and used that and I had some uh portable metal d d r pads that I used uh, prior to the you know the actual arcade.
0: Oh yeah I remember looking into those
2: hmm they uh they range in quality depending on um, where you get them from but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, A lot of fun and uh, consistently challenging. There's always something new that you can, you know, kind of challenge yourself with as you get better and better.
0: So are you playing at like the top level hardness?
2: Not uh, not the absolute top, but one notch below that. So I do uh, doubles heavy or uh, challenge and uh, not 18 footers, but uh, I do 16 and 17s. Um, So that's. Almost as hard as they come
0: (laughs) Oh man Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie But the movie Grandma's Boy I have not Oh my gosh So there's a scene in it where Nick Schwartz Battles this guy on DDR And he beats him and he's like What? High score? Did I break it? (laughs) I should find the clip and just send it to you Because that's that's one of the best parts of the movie (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, I've I've dabbled with the soft pads, but uh yeah, and then obviously the arcades. So Cuz that's pretty cool you have that setup though. That that sounds awesome. And with Step Mania it's kind of like mame for DDR, right? Cuz right. at that point like you said, you can circumvent the games that come like preloaded in it, and you can play whatever the hell you want.
2: Yeah. So, uh I've songs loaded in from all the arcade mixes um and that that uh keeps it interesting uh as you might imagine if you play it every day for uh many years <laughs> you'll start to uh, have memorized all the songs so it's good to good to have new stuff
0: yeah absolutely when you load one of your own songs in uh like i'm assuming you have your ranger in the ruin soundtrack in there
2: oh of course yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) do you have to add your own steps or does it kind of auto do it
2: uh yeah you have to you have to add your own okay Um, step creation is really easy though um and there there are programs that allow you to do that oh nice yeah Uh, i never got really big into that but i had a friend uh, a former bandmate um back in the day who uh was really into that and he um
0: Did a bunch of steps for,
2: like, System Shock soundtrack and stuff, so that was fun.
0: System Shock, the PC game?
2: Yeah, System Shock 2. Oh, man. (laughs) (sighs) So good. Um, You all might be the only people (laughs) that I've talked to in recent memory who know what that is.
1: (laughs) Dude, System Shock and System Shock 2 are amazing. I mean, they're kind of the godfathers to Dead Space, which is one of my favorite horror, like,
0: games. One of so. Yeah, that's why I know it because it was scary as hell. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Oh boy, uh, Ryan is there, any, or I should say, Nick. Is there anything else, or is that just the DDR?
2: Uh, so that's the latest edition. Uh, other than that, uh, continuous P3 uh, changes, and um, I recently built a a little wooden cart uh, to store modules, and uh, taught myself how to sew and made a canvas cover for the modules as well so when they're in the cart they won't get dusty
1: yeah and you didn't cheat like kevin the cheater over at buffalo pinball where he just went online and bought one with a i would cool say that's
2: probably the more <laughs> clever thing to do
0: but <laughs> cheating cheater <laughs> so nick i uh, followed your build of the cart and i really liked it and then i was thinking when someone or either you or someone said something about a dust cover and i was I've been pondering about this actually in the last two days, and I'm wondering if you made a cover for the entire cart or an individual playfield on the cart.
2: Uh, for the entire cart.
0: Okay, and for our listeners, uh, the back third of the P three is removable, and his cart can hold two playfields if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yep, and then um, so the cover will cover both of those at once.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is it is it like the tough canvas?
2: Uh yeah, it's uh actually doubled up canvas drop cloth. Um so it's it's pretty sturdy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, <laughs> I would <bet>. say so.
1: <laughs> Probably stands up on its own if you like lay it down right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and uh I I need to do something like that. I made a joke actually with uh Kevin and I was like, "Hey, you know, I'll pay for the wood. You want to cut it for me and ship it to me?" And he's like I think it'd be cheaper if you just had somebody else cut the wood and I was like, Ugh, damn it. But uh <laughs> those carts are really cool and I think it'd make swapping the games quicker because I still have cardboard boxes underneath mine, mm-hmm. which I don't mind, because yeah, they have built-in they're, du- they're built-in dust covers too. Exactly. But, uh yeah. you know, the flip side is is A, it looks a lot cooler when you're like, hey, check it out, and you like, <laughs> slide out this cool wooden cart, and you're like, let me swap modules super fast. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like let me pull my cardboard box out. I gotta lay all the of things out. And there we go. Okay, now we swapped it in.
0: <laughs> I kept making him switch games when I was down there.
1: I'm assuming he got irritated. <laughs> no, the motherfucker, he'd like play three games. He'd be like, let's swap modules. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then like right at the end, you know, he noticed the 10th or 12th module that I had swapped back to back in like a four hour, four and a half hour period was heist and I'm like I'm getting it up there and he's like, Oh, you know, you're shaking a little bit you're getting a little tired. I'm like, fuck yeah I am and this module is exactly light either. Like Jerry, I love you. I'm not saying to make them lighter. Like if, if they have to be this heavy to be this jam packed, fine. But like if Parnell's over, he's gonna be swapping the fucking modules constantly if that's what he wants. Oh I couldn't it's, get enough man. Yeah. It's
2: it's a good thing it's so easy to change the modules. Um yeah it otherwise
1: is. That, Just when, that your, would have been a pain. when your friend patronizes you the whole time, he's like, <laughs> "Oh, is it a you little know, heavy over there?" I'm like, "This is sixty pounds. Like this isn't no, no, no. Light.
0: It's sixty three
1: pounds. <laughs> yep, that's right. Because it's on, a P three.
0: <laughs> well, good. Yeah, we're we're gonna later on in the show. We're gonna talk uh, with Nick more about his P three. What would you call it? Everything. Yeah, projects. projects?
1: Yeah, multiple." <laughs> sounds uh, good yep and then uh barnell you're gonna ask what i've been doing i haven't done a whole lot um you know i had you over you played some p3 i installed from scott Denisi's uh suggestion the green plastic covers in tna um and those look really cool i really like yes. those uh, and Parnell got to try those out, too, when he was over. They are a see must them. if you have a TNA.
0: Mm-hmm. I wasn't
1: completely sold by it in the pictures, but it looks really awesome when you're playing it. I plan on soon, trademark, uh, picking up Cannon Lagoon, Grand Slam, Rally, and uh, Rocks. So those are... nice. In motion, at least until Nick drops his next game.
0: Uh, you know, which hopefully will be soon. Well, supposedly, <laughs> it's on the highest field, so you already own it. Well, the playfield. Yeah. Well, uh, half of it, anyways. The important the part. The expensive part, unless Nick's new game is like right. <laughs> 10
1: grand. <laughs> well, you know, it might be worth it. <laughs> Ranger in the Ruins 2. Oh, man. Don't do this to my wallet. Is it? <laughs> Makes me like anybody else. It's, it's, you know, 200 bucks. Ryan, though, 10 grand.
0: <laughs> like, oh, damn it. <laughs> Is that it, Ryan? Uh, I think so. Yeah. You had the
1: drop yeah. targets. I'm pretty boring. Plastics. Yeah, I did the RGB drop targets. The the plastic protectors on TNA. Um And then just playing a shit ton of P3, honestly. I've been loving it. So much fun. So, so much fun. What about you,
0: Marnell? Golden T is working. I don't remember if we even talked about this last time on the actual fix. Probably not, right? Uh, No, I don't think we did actually discuss the actual fix. This kind of blows my mind. Um, And this might be new to Nick, but... We had the golden tee, the monitor was dim. I did the cap kit on the chassis, which scares the crap out of me taking that high voltage plug off, but I did it a couple of times, and then uh, we did a new remote control board, and it was still dim. Mm-hmm. I hmm. Google food like crazy, and uh, I was about to make a post on Clav and I found a post there on Clav where someone who... Man, I should give them some uh, tip money because all they said was replace resistor 811. <laughs> I'm just going, how does one little resistor do this? Pulled the chassis out. Well, actually, I ordered the resistor from DigiKey without even seeing the resistor. I just got the specs out of the mm-hmm. manual, ordered it. The part came, I looked at it, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. There's this normal looking resistor. Took the old one out, tested it, sure enough, had zero. Threw the new one in, crossed my fingers and booted it up. Worked perfect. Yeah. Awesome. I I, I have no idea. Um, I don't actually have the schematics for the chassis board, so I can't tell if that was like um, in line to a contrast or brightness pot. But mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, this game's going to be... <laughs> for sale, so it's not like we ultra care as long as it continues to work. But that was kind of a fun win. Uh, otherwise, game room-wise, in the game room instead of the garage, uh, ACDC is still sitting here. It's still for sale. And nothing's changed because we had started work on the fireplace deck stone, and we are, I would say, about halfway done. The hard part with the hearth and the frame around the fireplace opening is complete so now it's just going up and above around the mantle and the TV. Um I could probably post a picture. It looks pretty good. It's dry stack and it's super it's like an inch and a half average and then it goes in and out easily a half inch so it's uh it's my first tiling learning experience with a a tile friend. So it's uh I learn I'm learning a, a lot getting very knowledgeable about how to tile and Make it not look bad, and I made a few mistakes. <laughs> and he uh, told me to go back. So, <laughs> <laughs> Lisa's yeah. a good friend. He's like, "No, that looks well, like shit. Go back like, and
1: fix it."
0: He <laughs> was like, "Parnell, I told you not to put a seam on top of a seam on the next row up." Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> my eye for tiling is horrible. So, yep, had to do a little swapperoo. But uh, nope, it's being my first time actually doing at least any work with it. It's been a very good experience, and uh, I love to do it myself stuff. So it had to happen at some point. I'm assuming Nick is similar to to me because uh, of the projects he's done.
2: Yes, uh, my patience for <laughs> home improvement uh, s- stuff uh, is is a lot smaller than my patience for <laughs> pinball programming. <laughs> but uh, but I I do a lot of do it myself stuff,
1: just poorly. Uh, That's uh, well, you
0: gotta start somewhere, <laughs> right? It, yeah.
1: I'm really good at breaking <laughs> shit. So I feel that, Nick, like that speaks to my soul. I try to be patient. I break a lot of stuff and then I have to figure out how to fix it. And that's the like annoying part, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love figuring out the uh, solutions, but, um, yeah, sometimes implementation, I, I lack the patience for, um, but you know, it works out.
1: Nick you're known for uh, the podcast for amusement only the EM and bingo pinball podcasts. Do you want to just kind of go into that a little bit for our listeners just so that way they kind of know, I mean you, you work on it like literally everything, but do you want to dive into some of that and just kind of go over that for our listeners that don't know?
2: Um, I started that podcast, um, many years ago now, I think 2015, um, there are over 450 episodes of it, uh, quite an extensive back catalog. I uh, have done everything from kind of a game-by-game retrospective of uh, Bally's bingo pinball production, um, interviews with operators, uh, collectors, restorers, uh, players, and um, even a pinball designer. And it's all EM and bingo Pinball focused. So um, I started that podcast because uh, I have a really deep and abiding love for uh, all types of pinball and especially the older games. I feel like, uh, and I definitely still feel this way, that if you are able to look at uh, early designs, especially from the 30s on up uh, through the dawn of the solid state era there are a ton of features, um, which are used today, uh, and, and treated as kind of, of new or, uh, novelties, uh, which, which have been used in years past. Um, and the designs and, uh, the, the way that the player is engaged with these games, uh, is something which in some cases for modern games, I feel is lost. Um, one of uh, the types of games that I love the most are uh, bingo pinballs. These are gambling pinballs. Uh, You don't have to use them for gambling, uh, but you can. (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, these are the things uh, which demonized pinball in many locations. Um, So, uh, you know... Many times when you read about how pinball was illegal in a certain locality, uh, well, that's the influence of bingo pinball, or its predecessor, the one-ball pinball. Uh, So uh, bingo pinballs, though, are fantastically complex uh, games. So if you think of a gambling device like a slot machine, there's not much player agency in putting a nickel in and then pulling the handle, right? You pull that and it stops at a fixed location. Uh, there are a certain number of winning slots that that the slot machine can land on, and that's you know what pays out for a bingo pinball there's player agency so there there is a betting phase there's a playing phase there's a phase where you purchase extra balls um, and the playing phase is where a lot of the um, player skill and the thinking comes down to. So uh, people have compared bingo pinballs to uh, chess and then flipper pinballs to checkers. And that is generally pretty apt because a bingo pinball requires uh, a lot of forethought uh, before plunging each ball. And the games are typified by having, generally speaking, five balls to play and your goal is to get three, four, or five in a row uh on the backlash bingo card, and then you win to get them in a row. There are uh somewhere between eighteen and twenty five pockets on the play field uh that's All there is on the playfield as far as targets, otherwise it's posts and pins, and uh, there's a ball return hole which will bring the ball back to shoot again. Uh, So each ball has to land somewhere on the playfield in order to complete a game. Um, And that's one of the ways that they got around the gambling restrictions that were put into place by the one-ball games, which came before. Um, But uh, at any rate, as you're playing when a ball lands in a particular hole you're given an opportunity during that playing phase to in some cases mechanically change the layout of the bingo card on the back glass or completely wipe away the bingo card aspect and replace it with like Tetris pieces. So instead of having three, four or five in a row, you get three, four or five in a single colored section or Tetris piece on the back glass. And that becomes a winner. Um, So there's a a wide variety of types of games and um, a wide variety of ways that the player can engage with the game. And I find that all extremely fascinating because they were able to do it without any kind of MPU or computer. Uh, It was all electromechanical. Um, So, you know, the designer, there was uh, primarily, uh, there were two designers of all these games and uh, just amazing, amazing minds. So, um, anyway, I, (laughs) that's, you get me started talking about bingos. I'll talk your ear off. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the Genesis. Sorry.
0: Yeah. That, that was the Genesis. I do remember when you were doing your, (laughs) one of your projects was the multi bingo and there was Mm -hmm. some logic that was so unknown that you didn't know if you could program it, which (laughs) might not be, it might be more Uh, than one thing, but
2: yeah, there, uh, The the logic within the bingo pinballs is extremely complex. And um, one of the things about them that uh, is really special is they were some of the first games to auto-portion wins. So uh, if you think about today, you have, uh, say, a Williams game. And uh, if you get the high score, it will bump up the next person's uh, requirement to get the high score. Um, Well, this was implemented back in the 50s, uh, and even before in the 1940s uh, with the one balls uh, through a unit called the reflex unit. And uh, just, again, an amazing piece of engineering and um, implementing those through four different manufacturers uh, was very challenging to say the least. Um, not just that particular unit, but again, I'm, I'm referring to reverse engineering, all of the mechanical changes to the game, Uh, so as you rotate numbers on the back glass, uh, for example, it makes different connections, and uh, in the multi-bingo, when I created that, I was doing a wire-for-wire recreation, but in some cases, some things are not represented on the schematic because they're trade secrets or um, schematics don't exist for a particular game, so yeah, it, it was quite the challenge, that's for sure
0: you've kind of slowed down. Do you think you've gotten through everything or are you just so busy with your current projects?
2: So I have gone through all of the domestically produced bingo pinballs, uh, including some which, uh, never made a full release. Um, so there are 142 games, uh, from four different manufacturers, Bally, United, Keeney, and Williams. um, and, yeah, they're, they're all in the multi-bingo. Uh, and those are games from
0: 1951 to 1981. I forgot how, I guess, late they made bingos. Mm-hmm. We, when you think about that, right, like when you tell somebody in pinball, like, oh, the uh, bingo pinball, they think, you know, 50s, maybe 60s or something. But they did make them into the 80s, didn't they?
2: Oh, yeah. And uh, these, are, these are the electromechanical games um so after 1980 uh bally sold off uh their bingo pinball um not division but kind of the the logic and and um information behind it what am i i, I guess uh, not trade secrets uh, there's there's a specific thing i'm trying to say but at any rate they sold that off to a company in belgium and uh bingos are still produced today in belgium
0: no way Yep. Uh I posted in chat the program I, I used to play a few bingos on my laptop bingo yes. game room
2: mm-hmm. and I've uh I've contributed some photos and and spoken with the author of that project as well.
1: Yeah, and you know honestly before we get to the next uh question here Nick, mm-hmm. now I really want a uh a bingo pinball on my base. The head is heavy.
0: <laughs> the head is very heavy. <laughs>
1: man it it is um
2: it is uh if if you're used to electromechanical games uh just think three or four of them slam together into one head and uh then you've got kind of the picture um but they are amazing amazing games um they're just very difficult to move (laughs)
1: i'll have to contact you and ask you some questions after the show like please do ones to look out for ones for to, to
0: just like totally avoid I will say though, Nick knows because there's some magic squares and some other cool feature games, and there's some very popular ones. And they're the best part is, I don't know if the market's changed to go in line with pinball, but they're they're cheap. They're maybe five hundred bucks, maybe. Yes.
1: Oh, that's yeah.
0: perfect. I <laughs> love that.
2: If you if you get them broken, sometimes you can get them even cheaper than that. Um. So yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know how broken I'd want them, but yeah, yeah, all right. So I will buy one, Ryan, and then I'll leave it at your house, right? Like, that's... (laughs) There you go. Charlie's doing it. You can do it too, buddy. If you want to dump games over at my house, I have room. That's one thing I'm not lacking on right now. If you guys dump another six games over here, I won't have room. But until then, (laughs) bring them on. (laughs) But that's super cool. Um, I'm going to ask the next question while Parnell mutes himself and goes and <laughs> rips apart a John Deere tractor. Uh, then you created multi-bingo, right? Yes. So you can play almost all the bingos in one machine. Yes. So do you swap playfields? I mean, help yes. help me understand that a little bit.
2: So the multi-bingo um, is uh, P3 rock controlled. Uh, Game And it interfaces with the original electromechanical parts where possible. Uh, but I, one of my goals was to use only parts from parted-out games. I didn't want to have any new games be destroyed as part of this. So finding the playfields took a long time. There are 11 different playfields that can be swapped into the game. Uh, each one had to be rewired. My initial plan was to use the original wiring and then wire the... Uh, female portion of the jones plug to uh, be universal but as i found out bally uh, used different pins on the jones plugs for representing for example hole number one (laughs) i don't know why um because they could have you know just kept basically the same design all the way through but but that's what they did so i ended up having to rewire every play field um but everything plays through uh, the game, there's a Jones plug selector in the back when you swap the play field, and it will limit the games that you can play uh, from the menu. And I built a little menu system. Um, the menu tells you a little bit of history about the particular game, some of the special features and so forth, and uh, gives you the backlash image. Uh, one of the unique features of the game is that there are... Uh, screens and and this is probably not so unique anymore but it was at the time uh that show the score and instruction cards so they dynamically change with the game as you select it
1: wow that is so cool well and to think that i mean i'm sure rewiring those play fields i mean you probably will do them all of them and you know what two or three hours, right? <laughs> no there,
2: big deal. <laughs> there's a surprising number of switches on a bingo pinball play field. Um, yeah. You know, you wouldn't necessarily think, uh, you know, from the looks of it, but in some mm-hmm. cases there are more switches on one of those than on a typical flipper game.
1: Oh, um, lovely. Okay. Just a few. Yeah. And do you think that Bally maybe changed the plug around uh, simply so that way there, you couldn't swap a different play field in? I think that was their way of kind of like, not anti-piracy, but I guess that's DRM, right? Yeah. (laughs) I
2: I honestly don't really understand the justification behind it, because from a manufacturing perspective, it would be far simpler if you could make one harness that went to every play field that was, for example, 25 holes. But that's not what they did. So
1: I I have no idea what the justification is for that. Hmm. I mean, I could see that. I mean, you know, them just being like, well, you know, if we keep making the same one, they could just be swapping out play fields. And I could just hear some executive like, oh, no, we can't do that. (laughs) You change it around. Don't let them do that. Well, it's going to be really hard to make new connectors. for. No, don't do that. Just change where the pins are in it. It'll be fine.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they they were putting out, you know, six a dozen games a year, uh, that were bingos uh, Along with their flipper output So I mean it's A lot of games were being made um, Very surprising But
1: hey I don't know Man now I'm going to have to listen to all 452 Is that how many there was? Episodes of your podcast? There's a lot of them So for, the first, for
2: the first year <laughs> The first 365 episodes I did one a day um, And that was a mistake <laughs> no way that was a lot of work um and when i'd have an interview like we're having now you know it was it was two hours of interview or whatever and then i would have to stay up for another five hours editing it and it was the middle of the night you know and i would have to put it out because i felt the compulsion to do so um but Uh, uh anyway do
1: you hear that he's exposing forever to edit (laughs) No. See, I heard five hours, not, uh, not a week. Listeners, send in your <laughs> negative feedback to flippantandmashing at gmail.com and let Parnell know that you're really disappointed it takes him days <laughs> to get through something it takes Nick
0: a couple hours to do. <laughs> it's because I have to edit out all my ums. Ah. Then you just said another one. How could you I'll do leave that? that one in. That's, <laughs> That's a- ten seconds of my life. Okay. I- <laughs> all
1: right. <laughs>
2: I I got over that for myself uh, quite quickly Yeah, (laughs) because I I wanted some of my life back. But uh, the uh, guests, I I always tried to
1: to do that for them. So I'm going to say a lot of ums for you. So you can swap play fields. You had to rewire all the play fields. Mm -hmm. That is incredibly impressive. And the fact that you have LCD displays down at the bottom for your scorecards is seriously super cool. Now, I heard you made a EM arcade game with Clater.
2: Yeah, so Ryan Clater's uh, my best friend, and, and we've uh, been through a number of projects. Uh, one of the ones that uh, is currently receiving his attention I've already uh, mostly finished my portion of it is a game called Robo Frenzy, and this is a two player simultaneous, competitive electromechanical arcade game. Uh, it's a brand new design. Um, I've done all the circuitry, you know. Sat down, made a schematic, started wiring, and uh, eventually finished that. <laughs> that was a lot of a uh, lot of wire, but um, yeah, it's it, it's pretty neat. So, so your main goal, you're uh, a miner who is trying to go down into a mine and pick up robot parts and bring them back to the surface to construct a robot but while you're doing that there's a giant robotic octopus that is trying to stop you so uh what makes it competitive each gear that you bring up to build this robot uh will award you one point uh the final piece that you use to finish constructing the robot and reset the sequence and gives you two points uh However, that robotic octopus, if it touches you with one of its tentacles, which will randomly shoot out uh, in different directions to each of the positions that the person can be at, if it touches you, you drop a gear and you can't pick another one up for a couple of seconds. Um, So there's uh, quite a bit of, um, you know, looking ahead that you need to do.
1: (laughs) Or attempting to anyways, right? That game sounds intense.
2: yes, uh at least that's the plan so right now I've been playing it with a cardboard mock-up uh, backboard uh, and then you know all the em components for controlling the game uh, but uh, Ryan is doing all the artwork uh, which is good you wouldn't want me doing the artwork uh, believe me um, but uh, he is, has been you know working on it in bits and pieces between other projects so it's uh it's taken a little little while to get that done but he's he's um, been focusing on that and if you follow his stuff at elephanteater.com he's been putting out uh, little snippets of artwork every so often so
0: do you have gameplay footage or is it not fully like the mechanics the em is done but not the
2: it's uh it's not pretty enough okay. really to show you know i've i've got a couple of videos on my Instagram that, um, show, you know, some lights flashing, but <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, makes sense to me. It, you know, wouldn't make sense necessarily to anybody else. So, um, you know, I'm hoping, uh, once the artwork is complete, you know, I get a, uh, created and then can cut my light board out of wood and, uh, that will make it, uh, a lot easier to follow what's going on.
0: Is your plan to make one or just a couple of them
2: so i'm going to make exactly two of them uh one for myself mm-hmm. and one for ryan so um i have all the the parts necessary to build a second one i just don't <laughs> have the space for a second one so um i want to uh make all the mistakes that i can with mine and uh as with all the games that i create i'll bring them to any shows that i uh attend
0: in the future that was part of <laughs> my next question was i assume you're going to bring it to another show like a show coming up all right If there's a show coming up.
2: Yeah, that's, um, I, uh, you know, always attend or try to attend the York show, uh, which is in York, Pennsylvania. Um, typically happens around, uh, end of September, early October. I, I saw just yesterday that they have October dates posted. Um, you know, maybe fingers crossed that that is possible, but, um, yeah, if it's if it's ready by then, certainly. I I I don't know that it'll be ready this year, but uh you know, maybe next year.
0: Well, that is exciting. I I can't wait to see gameplay of it. I'm trying to envision the size of this physical game. <laughs> Are
2: you familiar with a game called Penny Pitch? no it's uh it's a williams game okay um they made uh three different games that use the same size cabinet uh it's it's a little squatter than a skill roll but a little wider so it's it's not that big okay um but there there's four trip banks uh motor like a uh, hundred million relays and then uh two transformers <laughs> so
0: <laughs> We, we, There's you, a lot in it. I guess when you were talking about this octopus grabbing, I, I'm thinking, uh, have you seen that game where it's almost like a digging? It's like a, it's like a big sandbox and you dig or have... I'm thinking no. that, where it's like four foot by six foot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's okay. pretty compact. Um, so it'll be easy yeah. for you to transport. Easier. Okay. Cool. Yes.
2: Or s- smash into a billion Uh-oh. pieces. Don't, don't one do or the do it. Other. <laughs>
0: You'll have to borrow an Escalara or something so you can move it without, uh, dumping it.
2: Yeah. That's the advantage of the, uh,
1: first floor game room. Oh
2: God. Not a garage game room.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty bitching. Honestly. (laughs) I I don't think I'd be able to do the stuff that I do without that. (laughs)
0: Have you like quarantined off your whole garage for, for game stuff? yeah i
2: I actually finished off the room um you know heating and air conditioning and so forth so it's uh it's a comfortable space uh added rubber flooring so if I drop a tool or a screw it bounces it's the smashing um, and uh insulated the walls and the ceilings so.
0: hmm I have a uh, tuck yeah. under garage and I've been contemplating getting one of those mitsubishi splits so it can do AC mm-hmm. and cooling and then because I don't have air conditioning that's that's exactly
2: what. Okay, what so that was my question.
0: Actually.
2: Was it was a mini split?
0: Uh, some of the main units can run, you know, two to three units, and so we were going to air condition the house, mm-hmm. and then I could run a third one into the garage because it gets super humid in the in the summer. Yeah. So that's what you did. Yep. Sweet. And that unit can uh, keep up with the humidity and all that. Yep. Awesome. Have you ever used it for heating? Yes, in oh. the winter. How cold does it get down there?
2: Uh, it can't. It gets below freezing. Oh, okay. Um, you know, not negative uh, in Fahrenheit, but uh, but it does get it gets
1: chilly. Yeah, Parnell. See, the rest <laughs> of the world doesn't have to deal with the frozen hellhole.
0: I call it the frozen known as outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. have all your games in there now? Yes. Okay. Uh,
2: that uh, is something that uh, is a condition of. Remaining a harmonious household is <laughs> keeping all the games in one space. So
0: all right. So do you have to park outside now?
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. But we did before. This is the first house that we've had that had a garage. So
0: okay. Our cars with the tuck under our height of the door in is six and a half six feet or something. Mm-hmm. So like my truck doesn't fit and my wife's SUV doesn't fit with the length. And so it's like, huh. Well, So it just holds my little, you know, oversized lawnmower and a bunch of tools folded up. But, yeah, it would be awesome to have a game room in there instead because that walking in and out of your garage door. Like, did you remove your garage door and wall it or do you just have an insulated garage door?
2: Uh, Heavily, heavily insulated garage door.
0: Can you open it in the winter? Yep. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, that it would be so nice, right? So convenient to just walk in and out.
1: I'm a fan. <sighs> well, yeah, and then in the summertime, you know, you get one of those, like, screens. Uh, in- mosquito net screens, yeah. and you can just open the <laughs> oh, garage door up in the evening and
0: set a little, like... It is too hot here to do that. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> it only gets... We have, like, two weeks in Duluth where it's too hot, where you might need air conditioning. Wow. See, wow,
1: that's that's baloney. I'm a Southerner, and I'm like two hours south of Parnell. Mm-hmm. You need air conditioning for most of the season, unless you like being in a <laughs> eighty-two to eighty-seven degree house. Like it's unbearable. I think. Oh, I, <laughs> I guess I just meant for survival, not for comfort. Oh no, I'm talking <laughs> comfort. Like my house needs to be like sixty-nine,
0: hey, hey all year round. Like that's <laughs> pretty much where I like it to be at. Oh yeah, no, then it's uncomfortable all the time But uh, I just yeah. kind of deal with it <laughs> That's the hashtag Boiler, baseboard, radiator, heat, life Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Ryan Clater, Yes You guys have a I guess I would call it new Because you only have one episode or one zine out But you have like a comic zine That you've started with him
2: Yes uh, That's something I'm super proud of uh, It's a we call it a zine. Uh, it's 64 pages, so it's, it's pretty lengthy for a zine. And uh, every page has an illustration on it. Um, none of those illustrations, again, done by me. <laughs> They're all done by Ryan, who is a fantastic comics illustrator. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's called Coin Op Carnival. And uh, we talk about a range of topics, but they all relate to electromechanical games. Uh, both arcade and pinball so we do a we have a interview with wayne Nyans, who is the most prolific em pinball designer um he's still with us today he's 102 years old and he is sharp as a tack and uh just a super super duper nice and generous guy uh with his time um and uh We also do game overviews. Um, We talk about Gottlieb's Mystic Marvel and uh, then William's Space Pilot. Uh, There's other articles about uh, tech. Uh, I do a a tech overview on relays, talk about the different types and uh, how uh, things might go awry and how to fix them. Um, And there's even, you know, fun little stuff like uh papercraft models of the games that we talk about uh at the end of the issue. So um it's it's a super fun project. Uh it is very it's something that both Ryan and I take very seriously uh from a historical perspective. We want to make sure that the stories that we represent and uh the drawings within are as accurate as possible. Um so we uh talk to the designers we talk to the people who are actually there get firsthand accounts and then draw from their memory uh make sure that it is uh as accurate as possible so if ryan draws for an example <laughs> we're working on issue two and uh he drew an outlet and it was not period appropriate so i had him redraw it <laughs> so that's uh it was just one little piece of a background but that's how seriously we take it is you know we want to make sure it's
0: good this is, uh, this is a little nuts, but I had ordered the Zine right from the get go, and there was like a Saturday morning, and my daughter must have been two, two and a half at the time, because that that one's been out for
2: since 2019.
0: Yeah, yeah. so almost a year. Uh, and I was reading on the couch, and she kind of climbs up, and I <laughs> I read her mostly interview with Wayne. And to your awesome. point, he is very sharp. Holy smokes. <laughs> he was coming up with stories and it was like, wow, you have a very good memory.
2: Yes. It's it's incredible. But, uh, well, thank you.
0: Yeah. I, I'll have to make the – I haven't done it yet because we didn't finish and I put it in the coffee table drawer. But we'll have to make those models at the end, me and her. <laughs> very good. This next – episode or the next scene is that kind of whenever you get it done or do you have a timeline
2: so uh yeah we're we're working on that currently but um ryan essentially only has time to a lot to one giant project <laughs> at a time he he doesn't pull a nick where he works on 85 different gigantic projects at a time he and has this a lot, is i'm
0: assuming <laughs> Yes.
2: And he's got a lot of smaller projects that he works on as well. So, um, he, he does neon design. He, there's not enough nice things I can say about Ryan Clater. Um, he does. So neon. <laughs> yes. He does custom neon designs. He's,
0: Holy he's smokes. incredible.
2: He is absolutely incredible, but, um, and he started a podcast. <laughs> yes. Uh, two podcasts. He's, uh, yeah, he, he is a great guy and, uh, does fantastic work. Um, but he's, I, I've asked that he finish up Robo Frenzy so that I can get this, uh, eyesore complete in my game room and then <laughs> work on his version. Um, and then we will return to finish up the illustration portion of issue two, but we have the, the articles, um, all, all of my stuff is complete and, uh, we've done initial edits on it so um his stuff needs some more editing but it's it's getting there
0: oh great speaking of zines, the pinball zines do you remember there was like a five issue series yeah drop target that i was trying to google it quick to ask you about it but yeah that's (laughs) what got me started on them and i love that so much that i was like i cannot wait for your guys's
2: John, Chad, and Alec Longstreth uh, created those, and uh, they were a primary source of inspiration for Ryan for uh, coming up with that format. Um, so the the approach that we took was uh, more from a s- historical perspective, in, instead of focusing on on kind of a particular scene that they were walking through and, and their journey to uh, becoming pinball aficionados, but uh, it that is a fantastic series. If anybody hasn't. Read those. Highly, highly recommend.
0: Yeah, I'm going to link uh, all these in the show notes so that anybody can go purchase these. Uh, is the Coin-Op Carnival still available to purchase if they're... Absolutely. Awesome. Yep.
2: Purchase 20 of them. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> we need to help uh, support Nick and Ryan so they can make more. <laughs> well, thank you. I definitely agree to that. Uh, they they make great uh, gifts if you have anybody into the hobby, especially if you have people who aren't active on maybe Pinside or they grew up on those and they're kind of just out of uh, touch with the current market, like they would love to dive into those stories of those old games that they used to play.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And we, we tried to make them relatable to, uh, to modern uh, pinheads as well. So um you know, hopefully there's something for everybody in there.
0: Oh, there is. And even if you're not into EMs, it's super great to read about the history. Like I don't really, why well, I, I own an EM pinball in the skill role and I've worked on two other EMs and I love the technical side of things. So it is an enjoyable read for me. My daughter, who's three, maybe not, maybe not so much, but, uh, <laughs> She definitely enjoyed I guess Sitting with me And going over it And the pictures Because there's a lot mm-hmm. of Illustrations in that
2: Every, every page mm-hmm. has, a, has an illustration So yeah Ryan, Ryan's illustration work Top notch I mean again I, I just can't say enough About how amazing His work is And how great a person He is too um, I love collaborating with him Does he have a P3? I uh, ask him about it Every single day He does <laughs> not yet but um All right. he and i have talked about it many a time so do you live close to him he lives uh in michigan and i'm in virginia so uh, oh that's right i
0: forgot he's in michigan because he does uh, the good distance something away. at the zoo right pinball at the zoo or something yeah that's his yeah. his home show basically i just read that too dang it so do you guys ever see each other like in person
2: yeah, we try to get together about once a year. Um our families actually <laughs> the first time that we met in person, our families took a vacation together. Um I have at the had at the time two small children and he has uh, a small child as well and so we weren't <laughs> our uh wives hadn't met each other and, and we hadn't met each other in person. So we didn't really know <laughs> how things were going to go, but yeah. uh, we all hit it off thankfully. And um, every year we, we try to take a vacation together except last year, of course, and this year as well. Um, and then Ryan and I try to go to a show together if we can each year. And so he, he likes to fly down for York um, and uh, cause York is amazing. It's uh it's a, it's a great show with a, huge mix of games from the thirties all the way up to present and um, the bingo row and the bingo row. Yes. Oh. Uh, thank you for that lead in. <laughs> so that's a, another thing that, um, another form of outreach basically that, that I was working on as part of the podcast. Uh, and that was to get various bingo collectors, uh, here on the East coast together to try and bring as many different types of games as possible for the public to play. Um, you know, I, I've been talking them up for so long. And then, you know, I brought, uh, six of mine the first year. Um, that was, that was a lot of moving, <laughs> but, um, you know, each year we, we shoot for about a dozen and we pretty much come up with that every year. So I'm very proud and thankful for everybody that contributes to that because it's, uh, it's a lot of work to, uh, make sure that your games and, You know, pretty decent condition for the the public to bang on it all weekend, and uh, uh, doing it for a
0: large game that's difficult to move.
2: uh, You know, requires a a lot of dedication. So,
0: well, and with how much stuff is in a bingo, and making sure all of it works.
2: Yeah, the beautiful thing about a bingo pinball as well is that they were made to uh, operate hard. (laughs) <laughs> that is to say that they were made to take a lot of abuse so um the way that they're engineered um they want to run as their normal state uh so it's it's hard to get one to completely fail to the point where you know you you just have no choice but to to scrap it um i would say it's hard to do that with any em but uh some may disagree
0: so um so you just leave yours on 24/7 <laughs> <laughs> no uh
2: no i i turn everything off when i'm when i'm done in the game right. uh,
0: do you try to play them at least once a day like one game a day to kind of keep them rolling i wish i could say that's the case unfortunately um i
2: spend so much time programming that i <laughs> i don't have a lot of time left to play so i'm lucky if i sneak you know maybe a, a game a week on oh, okay uh, different stuff and i'm i usually rotate Games around, so uh, I always make time for the P three every week. But uh, you know, I've I've got a selection of games from the the 30s up to the present. So I I don't play my EMS every week, but uh, as much as possible.
0: See, Ryan, people with kids are busy. <laughs>
2: kids kids take a lot of time, but uh, but they are. I fun. believe that.
0: <laughs> yep. Do you you said rotate? Do you have them in storage? Summon storage? No. Oh, okay. No.
2: That's another thing. I, well, <laughs> I say that. I have one uh, future project in storage. Um, I am not exactly sworn to secrecy on that one, but I don't know if I want to get into details. But uh, anyway, there's, there's one that I have plans for <clears throat> that is sitting uh, in another location, and uh, eventually that'll come into the fold.
0: Dun-dun-dun. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet at least we know it'll be done at some point cuz you finish your projects.
2: <laughs> well, uh the only issue with this one is that I'm collaborating with somebody else and I'm waiting on their portion. So, it's uh well, it's cuz you stay up all night, so that's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If everybody else would give up on sleeping, I could get so much more done.
0: Okay, so <laughs> I could totally give up on sleep. But how do you okay. stay awake in the morning? Like how do you keep it real? Oh, rolling? is that a requirement? Oh, you <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm kidding.
2: Um, yeah, I uh, wake up. You know, I know this is the next morning routine podcast here, so uh, I'll, I'll just dive into it. But I, I get up and I do very intensive exercise first thing. That's that wakes me up. So the alarm,
0: morning. like five a.m. alarm hits. You're playing DDR.
2: Yep.
1: Dang. Oh and, my uh, god, I'd vomit everywhere. Well, so you, like you not out of breakfast. being sick. My 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 body would just like all on its own accord i would just it would vomit in protest because it was like this is not what we do when we first wake up (laughs) mine probably should (laughs) so more power to you nick jesus do you
0: drink any amount of caffeine
2: so i i have a real uh problem with caffeine i i uh go on and off at over time, so at the moment, I drink two cups of coffee a day, but i'm uh I just finished up the last bag of coffee. Mm. so I'm gonna start going off of that over the next two weeks. It's gonna get a little dicey, you know, staying up super late but
0: so do you but you like coffee when you drink it
2: It's uh something that I tolerate yes
0: I tolerate <laughs> if do you have a coffee grinder? Yes, if I sent you some homemade roasted coffee, would you try it?
2: Oh
1: absolutely. Oh, all right. Yeah. What the fuck? I've never been
0: offered coffee.
1: <laughs> Man, Nick, it must be nice. Even Parnell. I'm I'm done. No, Parnell, I'm I'm fucking done. Every time you come over, I'm drinking coffee.
0: Um, I don't make it, but my barber, uh he he roasted.
2: <laughs> okay, this oh. is this is starting to get a little sketchy here. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hold on here. So he has like it's an higher...
0: official roasting facility that so, uh, like his second job is like roasting coffee. So, I get some Guatemala and whatever Mexican or whatever crazy crap he, he's brewing or roasting, I should say. So, I should, I can grab a couple of eggs. I get a haircut uh, right before my birthday next week. So, what's his company
1: name? Like, instead of Folgers, it's Folgers because like, he's a,
0: he's a, you know, <laughs> barber. Yeah. And he's a coffee connoisseur. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. It comes in just like a nice, Paper sealed bag. I don't know. I'll send you each guy's one. Okay. All right. Don't fine. say I didn't do anything for you, Ryan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> give me the darkest roast you can get.
1: Isn't it the lighter roast is supposed to have the most caffeine? I don't give a shit. I want something
0: oh. that like literally makes dark. my taste buds die when well, I take a sip of it. He thinks the Papua New Guinea is the best flavor. I disagree, but people seem to like that one the most. I'll see what he has. I'll text him coming up. Yeah, next just week. just give me the darkest coffee you can get. <laughs> do you, uh Nick, are you a connoisseur then? Like, do you do the Aeropress or are you just drip it?
2: I I do do the Aeropress. Yes.
0: Oh, um, so you have the? Is it the Aerobi one?
2: Uh it's whatever just plastic a press. single serve one. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is.
0: Oh, um, okay, because like Aerobi, uh, the frisbee maker made a. Coffee press, huh. and I guess it's really good.
2: Yeah, whatever this is, it's better than the French press that I used to use. But okay, um, yeah, it's it's some plastic thing. I I don't know who makes it. It might be a Roby. That sounds familiar.
0: Yeah, um, I just do the drip. That's how much attention mind. I've
2: paid to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so Nick, I guess the the final question on, on coffee, since you're on the Coffee Drinkers <laughs> <Yes>. Podcast, um, <laughs> do you measure out? Exactly using like a scale. Cause I have some friends that have one of those fancy uh, arrow presses and they actually like to the hundredth of a gram measure out exactly how much coffee they're going to put into their grinder and then like press into it.
2: I do not. So I have a little Mason jar. I pre-grind uh, the coffee for two days worth. Um, so that's four cups of coffee and uh, each cup is two scoops the scoop size is from the um aeropress whatever whatever it is
1: <laughs> mm, okay the like national institute thing. of aeropress right uh, <laughs> yeah. gotcha i'm just sitting over here just taking scoops of whatever the hell i have filling it up until it looks good <laughs> hey, but it, uh it all works yeah all right well um parnell i guess i'll i'll let you take the next question while uh, we're sitting here on the coffee podcast I mean, pinball podcast. Yes, that's it.
0: Yeah. yeah. We love going off topic with the crazy stuff that we, we get on about.
1: Yeah, we told you this is why we have to have show notes. Because if we didn't, this would
0: be a disaster.
2: <laughs> no worries.
0: All right, Nick. Yes. So we've only covered some of your prior projects. But I think the most popular that we've talked about in the last couple episodes was your P3 work. And we've only touched on one game, Ranger in the Ruins, mm-hmm. which is very addictive. But <laughs> you have more than that. So what I want to know is, how did you even get or want a P3? Because it's a we've talked about it, it's like a, a little bit of an investment, but then it kind of pays off in the long run because the play field purchases and the games are cheap versus a new full game like a Stern. Okay, we'll we'll start there. I have, there's more questions on that, but like, yeah, how'd you get into the P3?
2: Yeah, I uh, have been following Multimorphic's progress for many years. Um, I, when I first got back into pinball, I started thinking about building my own machines. You know, that was one of the first things that I really started uh, contemplating. And I wanted to get some repair experience with uh, different eras under my belt before I started thinking about uh, playfield designs or uh, how electronics would function within it and so on and so forth. So uh, as I started doing research, I found um, some initial info about uh, this game called uh, the P3. It is a platform. And uh, it talked about... Everything that I was very excited about, um, you know, having having a software development kit where anybody could make games, uh, having interchangeable playfield modules so anybody could design a game, um, having uh, tracking on the screen for for the balls as they are moving across the lower playfield. Uh, having these floating elements and and cool engineering uh, for the mechanical elements and and aspects of the game, Um, all that was extremely appealing. And, uh, you know, as I was first getting into it, the thing was uh, I wanted to learn more about it. So um, I started fixing games. So one of the things that I started doing uh, was taking in real basket case games from each era uh, and different manufacturers and bringing them back to life, not necessarily restoring them. I have some friends that do restorations, and I won't claim to do anything nearly as nice as that, but I do fix games. Um, And uh, learning the engineering that went into different board sets from different manufacturers and uh, kind of how it all fits together was an important step in in my personal process. Um, from there, I started doing repair outside of my own games. You know, I would do house calls for people because, uh, again, I wanted to see more. I wanted to see different types of problems. What happens, you know, when a, a a bingo has been sitting for four decades in somebody's basement as opposed to a pole barn, and the mice have eaten all the uh, wiring out of it, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, I have, I have fixed some, some real hairy games over the years, but, um, uh, aside from bingos, you know, it's, it's solid state games too. So, um, eventually I took the money that I was saving from those repair jobs and then from selling some games, you know, making room, uh, and leveraged that into a P3. And uh, that is the only new in-box purchase I've ever made and really ever planned to make, uh, aside from new modules for the P3. Um, other modern manufacturers, you know, I love playing the games uh, from different manufacturers, especially on location or at shows. I, I fix those games, but uh, it's not something that I have a desire or a strong desire to, to own uh, for myself. What I want is something where... I can continuously make something to um, not just fill my time, but also uh, to provide enjoyment for others. That That is really the driving goal. Enjoyment for myself as well. Uh, you know, there, there's a selfish component there, but enjoyment for others. So the P3 just fit every box
0: ever, <laughs> and uh, I love it. Is it the only modern pinball you own
2: i have a gottlieb super mario brothers 1992 and uh i have the next closest thing would be uh gottlieb black hole so you know we're going backwards in time there and then of course the homebrew games that i've made um aside from the multi. Bingo, uh, where I first got acquainted with Multimorphic's board set, the P3 Rock. Uh, I also made Multi Races, which is uh, the 64 one-ball horse racing games that were made from 1937 to 1952. And that's the second game that used Multimorphic's board set that I made. And then from there, I moved to the P3 itself, which uses the same board set. Uh, So it was, you know, a, a sideways step in that regard.
0: You had a lot of features, I think, that either you had a work through or request and they added into or was it or was that like the mission pinball framework or what what framework did you use? So
2: for uh the multi-bingo and multi-races, yeah. I used uh I used Proc Game. So okay. that is uh I, I looked at mission pinball framework, um, and I looked at skeleton game. And the problem with both of those at the time, and they've since made improvements and changes. This is many years ago now. uh, And that development moves very quickly. I've been so impressed with uh, Skeleton Games' uh, progress over the years, and uh, Mission Pinball Framework, and the number of people who are um, using those. Uh, It's just exploded. It's amazing. But uh, Game at the time, was the only framework that supported a flipperless game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. That, that seems like a no brainer kind of thing, mm-hmm. but the but the others required flippers. <laughs>
0: I did. Why would you even think of that, right? Like Yeah,
2: exactly. Everybody I, I just
0: wants to use P-Rocks in their flipper games.
2: Was the only crazy person I guess <laughs> at the time that was developing a flipperless anything. So, there you go.
0: I just remember a couple posts of like, yeah, you asking about a feature or something.
2: Yeah, so that's that's for PipeRock game um and uh, are, are you also talking about the, the P3 SDK? Or
0: I haven't dove into the P3 SDK yet, and so I haven't seen your posts on it. I, I guess I joined the Slack a couple of weeks ago, but, God, this was back when I was... When you were working on maybe the horse game, but I mm-hmm. thought it was maybe your multi-bingo, I had bought a P3 rock for my Tron and loaded up Mission Pinball Framework. And then when I dug into... Uh, maybe multimorphic stuff. I just had maybe saw one of your posts or questions.
2: I uh, I definitely am <laughs> not shy about asking stupid questions. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I do I do that frequently. I embarrass myself on an almost daily basis.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the The best part is though is why I like asking those kind of questions online in a public. F- place is that someone down the road is always gonna ask that same question.
2: I hope so. (laughs) Sometimes I I feel like I'm the only idiot who (laughs) asks that kind of stuff.
0: That's good to know. You might be the only evil genius that is going to make a flipperless game. (laughs) Potentially.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, there there need to be more of those in the world. So
0: it's (laughs) it kinda it might be gaining popularity now with pinball prices being (laughs) so stupid high yeah we're all, we're all going back on our on our tech right hey
2: you know i'm i'm all for it um but everybody needs a p three at least one
1: i totally agree <laughs> well they make the the higher new games that are coming out are going up it's becoming like the best value in pinball.
2: Well, that's another thing, (laughs) you know, that I looked at early on was the value proposition. So yes, the initial cost is, is high, but if you compare it, especially now with like a, a, just a standard game, it's almost the same price. It is, it's still a world of difference between $8,000 and $10,000. But um, if you then compound that with a second module, there's no comparison. I mean, you're already uh, doing better than you would if you bought two new games um, from any manufacturer. So it's uh, it's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then you have the mini games too, right? Yes. Which are, you know, in the grand scheme of how much you're spending on the P3. I mean, it's, it's peanuts, right? And that's a right. whole other extra game you get. And those you don't have to swap the play field for necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, yeah, I I think, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, we'll just take Jersey Jack as the example. Right now, uh, a, a not stripped down version, but a fully loaded version is as expensive as a P3. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is just, I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. Yes. But um, that's why I think, you know, all of our listeners that want to get into pinball or are in pinball but are thinking about their next machine, I'm sure Nick will, has, you know, he's already said this. I will echo it, and Parnell will as well. The P3 is one of the coolest fucking pinball machines you can get your hands on, and it boggles my mind why they aren't just as backsold as anybody else right now, um, you know, six months out because there's 4,000 people rushing to buy their their P3 platform right now because it is that good, I think. There's nothing that plays quite like one, but I really, really love the way that they play.
2: Same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I was at Ryan's, there was actually someone we've, a listener of ours, we've never met, had messaged us on Facebook, well, Ryan, and said, uh, oh, I'm really interested in this. I'm going to check out gameplay footage.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, and I mean, I, I, it, it, warms my heart knowing that there's some amount of people that actually listen to what me and Parnell say <laughs> and and we're not just like that podcast you put on when you're working so I mean Kevin I'm giving you a shout out thank you so much for reaching out to us and we hope that you do decide to get a p3 because it seriously is I mean the coolest thing in pinball I think especially when you compare everything
0: that it can do yes me and Ryan talk almost daily and we we both have had issues with other manufacturers. And that's one of our main complaints with current purchases of overpriced games. When you can go to P3 and then Jerry and his customer support is just absolutely stunning.
2: It's stellar. You know, I, I work with computers, um, which I know is a big surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, You know, I I don't get that kind of support from any other company. Uh, They have just absolutely stellar support. The product is amazing. It's very easy to work on. Uh, I've worked on, as I've mentioned a bunch of times, uh, a bunch of different games from different manufacturers, from different eras. And I've seen a lot of different approaches to engineering and ways that you can, um, you know, screw a few things together and the way that multimorphic does it is amazing. It's so easy to work on. It's insane.
0: After seeing Cosmic Carnivals, like when we had to kind of investigate that rear pilly field, it looked over-engineered and simplified. Like you, like to your point, like they knew you were going to have to work on it, and so they made it easy.
2: Yeah, that's that's something that I absolutely appreciate. If uh, you're talking about Cosmic Kart Racing,
0: correct? Yep.
2: Okay. You you said Cosmic Carnival, which is a whole Oh my god. Thing. My bad. Yeah, don't
1: don't don't ever say that that um, game name on the podcast, Parnell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> cosmic so, Cart.
2: Yeah, they they put a lot of thought and this is something, you know, coming from the bingo world. They put a lot of thought into how the technician would approach uh repair of any given aspect. So, um for example, if I had on um uh Lexi, I had a um, target that wasn't registering. Well, pop the module out, flip it sideways, <laughs> take a look at it, and then adjust a the switch. I mean, it's so easy. Um, it's insane. The whole thing is, is just uh, a mad genius and his crew put it together, and uh, it is just exceptional.
1: It really is. And when you have questions, uh, they are Johnny on the spot. Yes. Uh, getting back to you, either helping you or answering any questions you have and telling you to read the manual, uh, but here <laughs> it is, anyways. Even though they made two videos about it and it's in the manual. Yep. No, they they are on top of it though, and yes. they're super nice when you work with them. Yes. Well, so I guess uh, you know I'll ask a, a sub question here in mm-hmm. in our in in the questioning. So, what games do you have on the P3 currently?
2: I have uh,
0: all of them now um, that are currently available. Uh, okay, wait. Do you own every play field? Yes. Okay. So then, uh, Nick, rain free on what games you have.
2: Uh, so that includes Cannon Lagoon. It includes Grand Slam Rally, uh, which was made by another third-party developer, 86 Pixels. Um, I have uh, Lexi Lightspeed, Escape from Earth. Uh, that is the, the module with the UFO and the eight ball ball lock, um, Lexi Lightspeed secret agent showdown, which is a, uh, it's like a portion of Lexi Lightspeed escape from earth where you're trying to lock balls. And that is your only focus is just trying to shoot the balls into that UFO, uh, as efficiently as possible. And it is a lot more challenging than it seems. The, the rules are slightly tweaked to make that, um, just super fun it's it's a quick game that you can get through with some friends and and there's always a lot of excitement at the end when the multi-ball starts Um, rocks which is an asteroids type game uh, but you're playing with a pinball so the ball rolls over the asteroids and uh, you blow them up Uh, if you hit the side targets it'll shoot lasers uh, out at the asteroids Uh, the asteroids can also impact your flippers and uh, if they do it too much, it'll kill the flipper, which is pretty cool. What? Um, yeah. It's, that's a really cool game. So, uh, Ryan, you mentioned you don't have that yet?
0: You yeah, cheapskate? Yeah, I'm I, not. Uh, <laughs> that's damn it. do out. coffee and you won't <laughs> buy rocks so I can play it at your house. I'm
1: sorry. I won't let you get your rocks <laughs> off here. So, no.
2: um, aside from rocks, there's also uh, Hooping It Up. Uh, which is a free game actually for the Lexi Lightspeed uh, playfield, uh, Shoot and Scoot, with it, which is uh, their most recent release uh, mini game, uh, where it's kind of like a Temple Run or, or something of the like, where you're trying to collect coins and avoid um, situations that kill you. Um, a lot harder than it sounds, and it and it gets very challenging. I
0: can't get past
2: stage three. I heard um, it's
0: very good for like becoming a good shooter.
2: It's, it's very good to learn how to trap and shoot. Um, I am an on the fly type player and I, I really suck at it.
0: But uh-huh, <laughs> me too.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to get better. Um, so, Cosmic Kart Racing, the, the module. Um, and that game is actually, I, I guess, two or three games in one. There's the arcade mode, which is the initial mode that it came with, which is kind of like a, a Mario Kart type game um, but in space where you are uh, competing against three other either bots or humans um, and you qualify and then race and uh, as you race the different courses uh, have different shots that you need to make some you need to make repeatedly in order to get an advantage Um, that is (laughs) very difficult um, to do consistently well on, um, I find. So uh, I can get to the fourth or fifth race pretty consistently, but then, you know, not much past that, if any. Um, With that, you can also play online against other people. The first online uh, competitive uh, pinball machine, which is uh, the Cosmic Kart Racing's online mode, where you're playing that same arcade mode, but online with three other people uh My first time playing it, I was playing with somebody in New Zealand, uh, somebody in Canada, and then uh, two of us were in the u s just amazing. Um, for that same play field, I have Ranger in the Ruins, of course, which I developed. Um, that's uh, you know I'll let you all gush about that one, but uh... Oh. <laughs> oh.
1: Um,
2: <laughs> and uh heist heist is just another. Amazing game. Um it <laughs> has just uh a, a, a breadth of voice acting and call-outs. Uh you know, I play that game and I look at the assets and, and how everything is put together and it's just amazing. Um Steven Silver is the designer of that, and he did a fantastic job of um getting all that to come together in a cohesive package. Um the way that things stack and shoot and uh, you know, the programmers for that amazing job as well. So oh, he
0: did that. Cause no he, joke, he, like five minutes ago, he just messaged, friended me on Facebook and messaged me. And I just was chatting with him and, and he didn't say what he did. Like, I have no idea who he is. And he's just was like, Hey, g- glad you like the game. and what we're doing. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you, Steven.
2: Yes. Stu- <laughs> you know, thanks so much for for that game uh, my family and I play that game
1: constantly <laughs> I think that game or that module squeaks out my favorite module mm-hmm. most days but then some days some days that game can go to hell and Stephen I know you <laughs> listen and I'm sure you're laughing right now but god damn it like sometimes I get I'm on like this roll and I'm just about to like really start popping up and then I it just it's like nope Nope. Nope. Well, that's, <laughs> and the game's over. That's most games for me, but
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is uh it's it's just so much fun to play. Um so you,
0: you mentioned Nick uh yes. I have to ask a sub sub question. Sure. You had mentioned family. Yes. Now currently I have an ACDC Lucy, I'm selling the for the P3.
2: Well known family game,
0: yes. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, my daughter won't stop doing The, uh, the little horn thing on her hands, which is (laughs) Uh cool. But then she's like, I keep, keep ACDC, keep ACDC. It's like, yeah, but no one else. Like your mom doesn't really want this game here (laughs) because of all the artwork.
2: (laughs) We we have been through something similar. Um, (laughs) my, my kids really loved Williams police force. I had Mm -hmm. one of those for a while and, uh, they called it police horse, um, (laughs) And they, they really loved it for some reason. And uh, I sold it, and they got really emotional about it. But, um, you know, uh, when the P3 came in, they were excited.
0: Okay, <laughs> so, so my question is... Yes. Did you notice that they played more than you had the P3? Like, did the P3 yes. attract them more?
2: Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, they, uh, they play the P3 every time we go down into the game room without fail um the other games they might play once a year, <laughs> year or once once every couple months or something but the p3 is a constant um so it is uh has been well worth it for for my family at
0: least um does your wife play a game look i guess my wife doesn't not like pinball but she doesn't mm-hmm. like come down and play that's exactly
2: how my wife is as well. I mean, she's got her own hobbies, and uh, okay. you know, we support each other in what we do. But she does come down and play occasionally, and the P3 is what she plays. And, oh, um, perfect. She is uh, a big fan of trying out my games when they're super-duper buggy and then never again. <laughs> um, so she'll play it and then uh, run into horrible launch issues or something that I haven't ironed out and then say, oh, this sucks, and then... <laughs> <laughs> she'll she'll play another game of heist or whatever. But uh yeah, it's uh it's it's fun and uh, the whole whole family gets into it.
0: I'm hoping that because the L C D kind of um shows the shots mm-hmm. and what I've noticed when I go to Ryan's house, I completely ignore the L C D screen. <laughs> I don't know how I do it, but Ryan was just He's like blind. Yeah, he looked <laughs> Did you see that? I job? don't know like, how the fucking man like doesn't
1: see the huge, what is it like thirty two inch h d screen that's like literally two and a half feet away from his face. and he's just like, uh, I was just looking at the the ball and and I didn't see any of the stuff on the screen. I'm like, oh my God,
2: <laughs> well, you know everybody, you know, takes time to get used to something new and something different. so you so get I'm,
0: there. Yeah, well, I'm wondering if my family will pick up on that faster because they're not used to pinball in general.
2: That and could be. I I don't have an answer for you, but, uh, you right.
0: know, I have the uh,
2: uh, the sales approach, which is, of course. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks, Jerry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, especially in Ranger in the Ruins, that's where they're going to pick up reading, uh, you know, just all kinds of math. Yep, um,
0: score, plusing, so, and then... So, figuring so out many items. skills <laughs> yeah
1: um
2: but yeah
0: so writing too
1: because you got to write down the one time you get an encyclopedia
2: exactly you better better hope that you uh have a good memory um <laughs> so back to games for a moment so i have a, a copy of barnyard as well which is uh a the game where game you, ever. you uh punish animals that are trying just to go home and go to sleep by hitting them with a the pinball um no, it, it it's fun and uh it's it's a quick game and um it's it's obviously intended for younger children. Um so and then I have the games that I've developed, which are uh numerous at this point, I feel. <laughs> no, I, I have three games which are um either in development or uh far enough along that they're basically released.
0: Ryan is in chat saying that barnyards geared for me thank you ryan <laughs> or my daughter no you, problem one of the two uh, uh,
2: you know that might be the game that you and your daughter bond over you know you never never know never count a game out i say until you give it a try
0: i have a list of ideas that i want to make games for so we will see i envision one that's similar to barnyard that she can play then and get a kick out of it but so I showed her the barnyard video from Kevin at Buffalo Pinball and I'm trying to get her warm on the topic of ACDC being sold and barnyard is the new <laughs> the new it thing. But yeah, you know, she's three. She doesn't She comes down, turns all these games on, starts a game, plays one ball, and then kinda of walks away. So
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's it It'll take some time.
0: Yeah. Your girls are obviously older than that, but um
2: Yeah, they're uh, 10
0: and 13. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I want to get to that age. (laughs) I'm scared. I'm so scared.
1: Well, and and Nick, you you talked about your three games. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are those three games that you've created?
2: So uh, Multimorphic, I will say, uh, since I bought the P3, has put out a tremendous number of platform features that apply to every module and every game that can be created on the platform. And it's astounding to me, the pace that they do this at, this is coming from somebody who's already made three (laughs) games, right. Um, for the platform since I've owned it, but, uh, it's, it's just amazing. So just to back up a little bit, um, Multimorphic recently put out an update where each of the mini games that they've created can be played on any module. So that includes shoot and scoot, um, barnyard, Lexi, no, Lexi Lightspeed secret agent showdown is tied to Lexi Lightspeed escape from earth, but rocks. Um, each of those games can be played on any play field and, uh, they're amazing. The, the whole team at Multimorphic is just incredible. Um, But the games that I've created uh, are each tied to a specific module. So one of the things that appeals to me about the P3 is not only can I create my own playfield layouts, and I have designs for those as well, um, but uh, I can take the existing playfield modules and create new software that entirely changes the game, uh, not just a new rule set, on an existing game, uh, there's been some talk about that with other manufacturers uh, recently, and uh, you know, multimorphic is so far ahead of that concept; uh, it's incredible. So the the mini game concept allows you to take an existing shot layout that you love. So like the Dennis Nordman designed, Lexi Lightspeed Escape from Earth. I designed a point and click adventure game. Uh, In pinball, called Quest for Glory. So uh, for listeners who may be unfamiliar with the series, this is a very popular point-and-click adventure game for the PC uh, that was released from the late 80s all the way up to about 1998. Um, And I took the... (laughs) My starting point was going deep into the VGA release, which came out in 1990. And then what I wanted to do was to uh, recreate that as closely as possible as a pinball experience. So what I mean by that is the game is structured in such a way that you have five basic ways to interact with any given screen. Uh, You can walk around the screen. You can look at stuff on the screen. You can touch or pick up things on the screen. You can talk to people who are on the screen, perhaps, or to yourself. And you can use items in your inventory uh, on different aspects of the screen. So, like, um, let's say there's a waterfall on a screen. You can use an empty flask to gather water from the waterfall. So, in order to do this, I built kind of a, a generic way to... Interact in those five different ways and then recreated uh, the entire map of the game. There are um, over... I, th- I think there are 62 different modes or screens that it goes into and within that there are an additional at least five modes for each main mode that that contains. So... If you do the math, there's a tremendous number of modes in Quest for Glory. (laughs) Um, And the way that the game functions, if there is more than one choice, uh, then you have to select your shot. So the P3 has three different sets of buttons on each side of uh, the game. So one set allows you to control your flippers. Another set changes the main mode, so between the walk, look, touch, talk and then use. And then the last set allows you to pick an item in your inventory or select a shot, uh, depending on which mode you're in. Um, So then I hired artists to recreate all of the artwork within the game. Um, That was a tremendous undertaking because the aspect ratio uh, of the original is 320 by 200. (laughs) Uh, VGA resolution, and the P3, obviously, uh, 1080p screen, uh, but also on its side. So uh, you have a a huge verticality that isn't present in the original. So the artwork had to be completely redone from scratch for every single scene. Uh, Then I hired voice actors for the tremendous number (laughs) of different characters within the game all their call-outs. I wrote out um, every aspect of the narrator speech, I hired a voice actor for that as well. Um, and then, uh, lastly, the thing that I did, if that wasn't enough, I, I took the existing music uh, which I had access to in MIDI format, split it out by instrument, and then hired musicians for the different instruments to record and then reorchestrated it, put it all back together, and then used that within the game. So... That's Quest for Glory in a nutshell. Very complicated. Um,
0: it sounds like you own a pinball company.
2: <laughs> it sounds like I'm insane. And uh, I understand that. <laughs> but um, it is, I think, really super fun. I have a deep and abiding love of that game in particular, that series. And so I wanted to, to do that just to kind of teach myself. <laughs> this sounds stupid. To teach myself how to program on the P3. Um, uh, obviously, this is such a big and involved project but um there are aspects to it um that i'm i'm just super proud of and unfortunately because i used somebody else's ip um i have to ask permission before it can be released and uh it's it's owned by activision who has given fan licenses in the past uh for people to distribute for free um and that would be what i'm asking for but uh uh, we haven't heard back yet as as far as whether or not that can be released, so at the moment, it can only be played on my p three at a pinball show um if you happen to see me there so
0: do we need to like start a Twitter campaign and just <laughs> send a barrage of twitters tweet tweeters at him
2: you know i i don't know if that would help or hurt um, <laughs> <laughs> i I have a lawyer on the case and and that's uh that's really uh where i'd i'd like to place that at the moment but uh i'll let you know how that goes <laughs>
0: gosh i i hope i mean if you're just gonna release it for free i hope they yeah that i mean thought.
2: the thing is that it won't uh they don't have anything uh that would be competing especially in the space they don't they don't do pinball uh, activision they don't uh, have any plans to do pinball from my understanding so uh, they're a publicly traded company the only thing is that it does not earn them any money in any shape or form so there's really no benefit for them to grant this license it would just be a concession to a fan so uh if they decide to do it i'm very excited because then other people can play it in a um in a wider setting than just at a show but if they don't you know that's okay that's the risk that i took by using somebody else's ip Um, it's unfortunate but that's how the world works so
0: was this one of those learning experiences where it was to like make a game that's not ip related
2: so this was this was just a, a way to teach myself how the p3 sdk function that was the main goal and then of course it became this giant project but
0: oh okay so it never was like in your head when you first started it wasn't going to be this huge thing and then all of a sudden like it kept well, snowballing
2: I, I would love to say that it wasn't always a huge thing, <laughs> but but the way that I work is I sketch out my projects from the beginning and I always have a, a very clear idea of what I want to to make. So I, I had the understanding that I was going to need to hire artists. I was going to need to hire uh, musicians and so forth. And, and part of that was, and animators, I don't think I mentioned that. Um, part of that is because I didn't want to use... Uh, somebody else's work. Um, and if you've seen the streams, I do have some placeholder artwork that's in there, uh, especially on the animations and uh, character artwork. Um, because at some point, I either need to get a license or I need to put those funds toward developing a game that I can release for others to play. Um, so anyway, that's that's the long and involved story of Quest for Glory. Um,
0: Wait, did you just mean that if they don't grant it, you can change the art and potentially the name and then <laughs> release it?
2: I would love to say that's the case, but I've used the scenario, and in some cases I've used some of the the wording from the original script. So oh. I would need to go back and redo um, callouts and so forth. Uh, it may or may not be worth it depending on... Um, how it's received by the public. This is obviously a very experimental type of game. Nobody else has done anything like this, to my knowledge. And uh, I, don't, I have not had the opportunity to bring it to a show for other people to experience um, because the pandemic uh, was raging by the time it was pretty much ready for people to try. So um, anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: Okay. When was the last time a point-and-click was even released on PC?
2: Uh, there are still ones being released today, um, generally okay. from indie studios, but uh, even sure. uh, the original creators of Quest for Glory, Lori and Corey Cole, uh, they're a married couple and it's they're incredible, um, are still putting out point and click adventures. Uh, they put out a, a series which is a spiritual successor called Hero U,
0: um,
2: and that's available. It just came out on Switch, actually, but it's on uh, PC as well.
0: Do they know about your project?
2: Yes, so I contacted them uh, initially and told them what the plan was, and and you know my plan was to just um, see if they had any specific objection to it, and uh, they did not, uh, and they were very uh, kind and, and positive in their responses. Um, and in fact, they did a an ask me anything on Reddit recently, and somebody actually asked them about it, and uh, they gave a little more detailed. Uh, response and and said it was really cool and uh, talked about it. So that was a nice little ego boost too.
0: <laughs> oh, you were oh, that's
2: awesome. That's
1: super cool.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm really proud of it, uh, and I really hope you know, that people enjoy it or, or understand the amount of work that went into it. Um, it's a little hard to describe, like there's a, there's a whole combat system and magic system that I wrote for the game. Uh, there's stat tracking. Oh, one of the, one of the important features, one of the first things I looked at the P3 and said was, oh my gosh, this thing has profile support. So, uh, you can have a game that persists from, you know, actual start button press to start button press. So Quest for Glory actually is a role-playing hybrid point-and-click adventure game. So you have stats that uh, increase as you play the game. So, for example, there might be a tree on a screen that you can try to climb. Your climbing skill will increase. Your vitality, your strength uh, will increase. And um, your stamina will decrease, you know, if you fail to climb it. So it's... um, A really neat implementation and something, again, which I haven't really seen done uh, from a persistent standpoint. Uh, Multimorphic uses that save game feature uh, where you can, like, essentially pause a game and then come back to it later. And this is kind of sort of similar, but with uh, persistent stats as well.
0: God, I I don't think any pinball, in-life pinball, has done an RPG or even a point-and-click or anything near that, right? There was the one game in, is it Pinball FX? They had an RPG-like game.
2: Yeah, they, it's called the Epic Quest or something yep. like that.
0: Yeah, That's one of the only RPG pinball games I remember.
2: Mm-hmm. But imagine that, you know, with a real physical pinball yeah, flying around and uh, the ability to continue from your last save game. Uh, and the ability to save at any time as well, if you're skilled enough.
0: <laughs> that is so neat. Like, I remember Mist. that mm-hmm. game. It, that's a point and click of sorts, right?
2: Yes. Okay. Um, so, uh, the difference between Mist, Mist, you had one way to interact with the world, and that is mm-hmm. just a single click, like... It's contextual, so if you're on a lever, you click it, it pulls the lever. In this, you have to be in the specific mode. So if there was a lever, you'd have to be in the the touch mode in order to actuate the lever, if that makes
0: sense. Okay. And when you talk to the creators of that, mm-hmm. did they give you any ideas for a different game? Like, do you play their new spiritual successor games that oh, you would have interest in?
2: Absolutely. I... Oh love all their stuff. Um, sweet. they have a, a varied catalog, uh, over the years, you know, from the eighties up to the present and, um, they're creators that I, uh, wholeheartedly support, you know, everything that they've put out, I've, I've really loved. So, um, definitely worth a look if you're, if you're into PC games or point and click adventure games or, or even RPGs. Um, it's a, a different way of thinking about each of those things. And, um, very very fun and unique
0: that was also on the switch you said so is that touch yes. screen do you have a switch
2: mm-hmm yep
0: okay so then that, that's one of the cool things about the switch is being touchscreen which i forget about most of the time but me too <laughs>
2: <laughs> those um,
0: games would work out perfect
2: yeah uh it's it's interesting um you know, there's there are some point-and-click adventure games on the Switch, but there's fewer than I would think. I mean, there's like a, a back catalog of decades that could be ported to the Switch, and it's a little surprising to me that there aren't collections that are put out there. But anyway, um, so that was the first game, uh, and then I decided, you know, maybe I should make something people can play. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I sat down and started conceptualizing Ranger in the Ruins, and Um, again, you all have gushed about that and really, uh, just made my year, uh, talking about how much you love it. And I really appreciate that by the way. Uh, anybody who likes playing my games, uh, I love hearing that obviously. Um, but more importantly, I love the fact that something that I've created gives somebody else some enjoyment. Um, so Ranger in the Ruins is a roguelike, uh, Pinball experience is what I like to say. Uh, It is, to my knowledge, unless you consider all of pinball this way, the first roguelike pinball. Um, It is also the second internet-connected pinball game. So uh, on the internet side, what I do is, uh, well, to back up, you're a one of the few surviving humans left on the earth after some kind of apocalypse has happened (laughs) undisclosed. Um, And what you're trying to do is to retrieve the sum of all human knowledge. And to do that, you have to venture out into this ruined wasteland. And as you go through, you stumble across people who have previously played and died uh, the game and anything that they're carrying, you can pick up. So the ghosts that populate the world are actually previous players who have played the game from all over the world. And, uh, the thing that they're carrying is the last thing that they picked up when they died. Um, and that's the internet component. So that, that happens asynchronously. Um, I pull that for each item at the time that it happens. So as you're playing, if somebody else is playing in New Zealand, for example, and uh they drain then you could stumble across their ghost next you don't have to start a new game in order to see their ghost so all this happens in real time is what i'm trying to say um does that all make sense
0: yes and i guess i had a question about you run a server to do this
2: yes so is this
0: your hosted yes
2: uh i wrote the entire internet component um I mentioned I'm in IT and uh, I deal with this kind of network service uh, on a daily basis. So um, I have experience on the client side and the server side of um, this type of transaction. So I just went ahead and built one. (laughs) And it works. Uh, And the game also works in offline mode. So you don't have to uh, have an internet connected P3 in order
0: to play Ranger in the Ruins. Um, It just makes it fancier (laughs) to comment on ranger in the ruins you contracted some of the uh work right
2: so everything that was done in ranger in the ruins was done by myself um the initially i was composing the music so i had always planned for there to be between six and eight songs in the game and um i wrote some songs and i started playing them i haven't played any instrument seriously in uh, a long time. (laughs) So I started playing it and I just couldn't get it to where I was happy enough with it. Um, So I ended up uh, licensing some different music for that.
0: So was it already done music and you found it and licensed it or did you have it composed? Oh, okay. My bad. I thought you had it composed for your game.
2: So that was a lesson learned. Um, I, uh, had put out a uh, I, I do a development blog on Pinside for every game that I make. So, all these things that we've talked about, you can go and look up hundreds of posts of me going, Oh, it's lunchtime, I'm working on whatever feature or whatever, or you know, it's uh, 6 a.m. and uh, the sun's rising and I'm still working on whatever.
0: Um, it's a great post,
2: <laughs> but uh. With Ranger in the Ruins, because this was a commercial release, uh, I had posted some stuff as I was making changes to how the game functioned rules-wise. Uh, you know, initially I had a, um, a spell feature, which didn't make it into the final game because it wasn't fun. <laughs> um, and some of the things, some of the changes that I made... Uh, it was not clear I understood later because I'd have questions like this one that just came from you about, about the music where I had expressed that I was composing the music and then someone would come back and say, Oh, you know, this composition is great. And I'd say, thank you very much. But it was actually this licensed piece of music. So um, with the new game that I'm working on, I'm being much more tight lipped about the information that I'm releasing publicly before the game is actually complete because I don't want anybody to m- misunderstand, uh, anything about the game that I'm creating that they might be purchasing. If that makes sense.
0: Uh, that totally does now. So, so you licensed the music, uh, was there, what about the animations or the art?
2: So that, um, the art, I, uh, licensed um a couple pieces of art uh for that and then the animations uh were all me so i i put that together and uh you know obviously constructed everything that happens on the screen
0: it almost sounds like you were like me and ryan and you love losing money in the hobby yes
2: that's my favorite <laughs> thing to do actually um perfect <laughs> no it's uh You know, the cool thing about the P3, again, is that you can get started for absolutely nothing. Um, You know, if you want to create a game that uses an existing playfield layout, go for it. It, The platform totally supports it. Um, If you have artistic ability whatsoever, I do not, uh, (laughs) then create all the assets that you want. If you can do three uh, d modeling, um, my latest game is three d. It's my first three d game that's made for the p three. i've I've dabbled in three uh, d engines in the past. Um, go for it. you know you you can do it. Um, I just know the limitations of my skill set, and uh, as I mentioned, it's uh, art is one of those things that I just cannot do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i i try not to to add on to your comment you don't even need to own a p3 Correct. to develop a game on the p3
2: yes all, all you need is a computer um and uh the free unity mm-hmm. uh game engine and then uh the multimorphics p3 sdk which is also free um And then you can, it comes with a sample application and you can take it. Uh, Their documentation is pretty fantastic and you can get started right away. Um, They have a development Slack channel that you can join uh, and that's for any homebrewer. But the P3 gives you such a leg up in developing games (laughs) over a homebrew. And and having made several different types of homebrew... (laughs) You know, I you know, I hesitate to say I know what I'm talking about, but I know what I'm talking about a little bit, and that is that you don't have to cut a cabinet. You don't have to worry about wiring in uh, a power entry board or uh, flippers or um, cabinet flipper switches or a start button or any of the lamps associated with that, and that sounds like it's really minor stuff, but it's not when you're doing it from scratch. And um, everything in a homebrew not only takes much longer than you would ever want it to, but it, it, it costs more. And where the P3 really shines is that you don't have to spend any money, uh, as Parnell was saying. So you can get started right now for free as long as you have a computer that is uh, current enough that it can run Unity. And that's basically anything that's been made in the past I'd say probably 15 years can probably run Unity um, from any manufacturer. So it runs on Windows, it runs on Mac, and there's even a version which runs on Linux. Uh, So if you have any uh, thought to making a homebrew, the P3 gives you so many options as well. You know, everything from the screen tracking and having dynamic inserts and targets, that the ball can interact with on the lower two thirds of the play field, creating your own mechanical interactions on that lower two thirds of the play field. You can totally do that. And they hook into this channel system that is built into the P3 play field or making your own upper third play field module, as well as the software that interacts um, with the ball, the rest of, of the game. Um, you can do that too. And it's all, freely available this i can't say enough good things about creating games on the p3
0: the only downside i've had so far is mm-hmm. when i first got into unity uh it was a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and when i just installed unity on my macbook it wanted like I, I was forced to use the unity hub and i thought the unity hub was stupid <laughs>
2: i Agree. I'm not a huge fan of every decision that Unity makes, Uh uh, Unity Hub being one of those things. (laughs) But, you know, it's a small price to pay, I think. And the Unity Hub for listeners is just their intention was to create something that is easy to launch different versions of Unity. So if you have parallel installs of, uh, say, a version uh, that will run your P3 games and then a, a, a version that runs some other mobile game or or computer game that you're developing, they wanted to make it easy to launch different versions and see if there were any problems with compatibility. And so the Unity Hub addresses that need, but it's not a need that I have as a P3 developer, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was very like, I only yeah. want this one little thing. So come on, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, yeah, right? Because
1: we could totally see maybe some implementation of like a, a game where... Uh, like it's multiplayer locally and like maybe a phone user has the ability to like interact with the player that's playing the pinball. Sky's the limit. I mean, uh,
2: with Ranger in the Ruins, there is a full on internet implementation uh, that allows for uh, that kind of remote interaction with the game. And then we haven't even talked about Twitch connect, uh, which is built into the SDK, but people, who are watching a twitch stream of a p3 game can interact with the physical game by posting specific commands? How cool is that i mean it's pretty neat.
0: I think Kevin at Buffalo has had a couple of those streams right where yes <laughs> yeah um, i 'll have to find some of those and link them up
2: it's It's fun to hop on one of those uh, you know throw up roadblocks when he 's trying to hit specific shots, uh, black out the play field entirely. <laughs> <laughs> those kind of things
1: some good stuff
2: uh ranger in the ruins actually has twitch connect implementation in the latest version as well
0: oh can you tell us what it does or what you can yeah. do
2: yeah um so there's a few different things uh most of them are relatively harmless uh one of them is kind of a big deal uh you can immediately summon a ghost uh that one's kind of a big deal.
1: That's a huge deal.
2: Well, <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. You can well, only maybe. do it. There's a built-in delay, okay. um, which is configurable within the settings menu, but uh, it's, it's pretty high. <laughs> the minimum is pretty high. Um, you can change the radio station. So uh, if you uh, are playing and, and the music immediately changes, <laughs> uh, that could be why. Um, if, you're, if you're streaming on Twitch through uh the P3. Um there is the ability to get an extra ball. That's the biggest one. And then uh some flipper tricks as well. So the flippers can be reversed or uh
0: What? Uh, yeah. Is that just uh unknown to the player or is that a I like got item that gets picked up and then it flips them?
2: So it's it prints on the screen when when that happens. Uh, but there's no item pickup. It just happens immediately.
0: Can we force someone to play this right now so we can check this out? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Nick, my new pastime is watching uh, P3. And uh, like I said last week, well, and right before this tonight we're recording, I was watching Kevin's Ranger in the Ruins gameplay because it's uh, so fun to see the new items and trying to figure out what they are. I don't know if anybody started a list yet of all your items but i told I, I, you
2: i know a few players have they've, okay. they've mentioned and i know kevin has in particular um so he's he's a.
0: are they keeping it offline
2: uh that i'm not sure you'd have okay. to message kevin about it's that. kind
0: of fun to keep it like to yourself right yeah, like that, to chit chat about it but not not give your whole list online
2: that was the intent so if you've played a, a an original roguelike game like rogue or uh angband or nethack um those games have components uh, like potions that you pick up and you never know from game to game what each potion does when you first get it. So it might be a cloudy potion and that's a, a potion of healing or, or a potion of confuse. you know, it can be something that helps or hinders you. And so that was the, the idea behind the items in the game was to have things that can both help and hinder you.
0: Oh yeah. And there's items that will not make it good. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And from, from that perspective, you know, that was a a big piece of the balancing of that game was making sure that, um, you know, it, it is possible for you to be really badly punished, but I, I definitely don't want that every game if possible. So, um, you know, there, there was a lot of thought involved with how the items would interact with each other and stack. Um, and you know, it may not appear, the game may appear simple, if you're watching a stream but uh and and you all have done a great job you know talking it up (laughs) thank you so much uh for every kind word that you've said about it but um it it is it is there's far more thought put into any game uh that has that type of interaction than you might ever suspect um if you haven't done pinball programming
1: Hey, well, you know, next time you go to add items into the game, if you do again, you know, you could have one that's a uh, semi-automatic fly, uh, flippers, you know, and you could label that, uh, <laughs> flip it and mash. and So that'd be, that'd be cool. Or some mashed potatoes, <laughs> you know, something <laughs> Whatever, like Whatever, yeah, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, or, or flip and potatoes, that would work. There you go.
0: Yeah. I still, <laughs> do you ever think that this game would be this addicting or, it, cause you said you took a feature out, so like. You built the framework and then kind of have tweaked it.
2: So that's a that's a big part of making a game is is being willing to throw something out. And I got great feedback from my beta testers um, and uh, from Jerry at Multimorphic. I was bugging him constantly with uh, stuff. And again, I cannot say enough nice things about Multimorphic. Um, he was able to. Uh, provide a lot of information, you know, I, I would try to do, um, something and I would, you know, run it past the beta testers and they would say, this is great. And so I'd, I'd pass it for inspection. And then Jerry would, uh, come back to me and he'd say, you know, this is great, but it needs some small element tweaked or he would give me fantastic feedback. So, um, multimorphic has been a great partner as far as, um, what information they've been able to provide me as a creator, as a third party. Um, So if you're concerned at all, I I mean, that's another thing from a homebrew perspective. You're isolated. You know, Uh, I built the multi-bingo and I had a handful of expert technicians uh, that I could rely upon to ask these extremely detailed technical questions about games of which maybe one exists in the entire world. Um, So with the P3, you not only have the ability to have other folks that you can interact with and uh, help you with, with beta testing um, as you all have graciously offered to do. um, And uh, you also have the support of the company who makes the product and is willing to put in the time uh, to help creators make games for their platform. And I can't say enough nice things about Multimorphic because that is huge. Um, So uh, one of the things here, here's a piece of feedback that I got back from Multimorphic. So I submitted something for their approval and they said, "Uh, this is great. And uh, except, you know, you're showing the credits available to the player when they do coin play on the bottom screen, but you're not showing it on the back glass. (laughs) And I like to think that I think about coin play a lot because, uh, the bingos have, have a lot of coin play involved. And so, you know, I think I'm, uh, doing something great, but there are aspects to making a commercial product that I hadn't even considered. And that's just, that's one of them. Um, and it's really helpful to have that feedback.
0: I didn't even think of that. So even the games that were released free, like hooping it up, Mm -hmm. that has to be able to take quarters or coin. So, uh,
2: I don't know if there's any requirement, but obviously I wanted the ability to play Ranger in the ruins on location. Um, so I haven't, I haven't even broached the subject, uh, about whether it's required or not because I wanted that to happen. Now they, they might have an internal requirement that it's necessary. Um, but I don't, I don't know that.
0: Just think if Jerry didn't respond so fast.
2: <laughs> I
0: it's don't sad, know like how his he, he does it. I mean, <laughs> and not just him; the
2: entire company is that responsive. Um, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to to start diving into it. I would also say to your comment earlier, the Slack channel. There is non-multimorphic employees that are also developing, mm-hmm. and they are very helpful as well. Yes.
2: Um, pretty much everybody in the Slack channel uh, shares a ton of information, um, help on their builds and so forth. It, it's a really collaborative space, and that is something which Multimorphic has has sponsored and uh, allowed to uh, thrive and, and prosper. And it's it's been extremely beneficial over the years.
0: Yeah, it seemed like a very positive environment. Which
2: that's the amazing thing. I mean, there's mm-hmm. never. There's rarely anybody who says really anything negative um, but especially about somebody else's build, I mean there's unless somebody's asking for specific directed feedback, um, and even then it's it's not it, nobody is putting anybody down it, it's It's a great space to be in.
0: Ryan, do you have any more questions about Ranger in the Ruins?
1: Uh I mean i have to be careful. If I keep asking questions about it all night, we're gonna be here another hour. And <laughs> I know at some point Nick has to pretend he's gonna go to sleep to work on his next P3 title. So I, I was gonna say I'll, I'll release him from his bond and having to answer more Ranger in the Ruins <laughs> questions, but know that uh you you crushed it as far as that game. So thank you again. Well. Truly.
2: Thank you so much, and thank you both for um, you know playing it and and for just the excellent things that you said about it. I mean, I wanted to not only bring this new and exciting element to pinball. Um, at least I find it exciting, and it sounds like other players do as well. But uh, also to bring back simplified scoring. You know, I want I wanted it to be something that people could walk up to and understand relatively quickly what they're doing Um, and that believe it or not evolved with feedback as well uh, from the beta testers. So, you know, huge help there having other eyeballs look at your work. Um, And uh, it's, it's great. (laughs) And thank you so much for uh, appreciating it as such.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess the, Next question I have, I mean, and you've spoken a little bit about it. uh, I know you said that you have to be careful about what you trickle out, but Mm -hmm. is there any cool uh, new game updates? Because, I mean, obviously me and Parnell are sitting here with bated breath on (laughs) the edge of our seat. I mean, a, a molecule more forward and we'd both be falling out of it.
2: Uh, well prepare to be disappointed. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it is, my next game is coming out for the heist Playfield module. Um, again, one of the things that I, I really love about the P3 is just being able to create a whole nother game that uses the same play field layout. So, uh, one of the things about the game concept for this one was that I wanted to be able to incorporate the cityscape, uh, as part of the gameplay and, uh, this was a collaboration between myself and my younger daughter, uh Sophie, and uh she and I came up with um what I think is a pretty cool and unique game, which is based on one of her interests so uh you know at the moment what I'm doing it's in alpha right now, and i'm it's it's heavily broken every day that i work on it so uh what i worked on today for example was uh layering music playlists uh on top of each other and and uh, the way that that would be structured within the game and um you know all the different bugs related to that so um it's it's deep in development uh i will say one of the big things for this game was inclusivity I wanted uh especially because it's being driven from an interest of my daughter I wanted anybody who approaches this game to feel like uh it's it's a game for them so I hope that I hit that goal obviously this is an indie type budget so uh whether or not I completely meet that and I'm certain that I'll make some mistakes in that regard, but I, that is the plan. Um, So at the moment there are, uh, I believe, seven different scenes, uh, not 70 like quest for glory. um, And uh, the gameplay proceeds uh, between them. You can Play through an entire game at the moment, but um, as I say, it's so deep in development uh, that um, stuff is broken every day. <laughs> so I have a cool double ball drain bug at the moment that I implemented today. So kind of figure that out, stuff like that.
1: That's uh, that's so you know, at like the beginning of Cosmic Kart Racing when you're doing the career, it asks you for amateur or pro. That's just the pro setting.
2: Yeah, and you know what's hilarious is i didn't even finish talking about all the games that i own on the p3 or even all the different aspects of cosmic kart racing (laughs) there's so much to the p3 yeah and uh your listeners would be well served if they haven't already gotten the bug to do so to please check it out because uh it's got something for creators, it's got something for people who love to play, it's got something for um, people who want the ability to have multiple games in a limited space, um, and even those people who don't, or who want to try something new and, and innovative, uh, the P3 has all that stuff, and um, you know, it is well worth a
1: play. Well and, and on the new game update, I do do have a sub question. And sure. you might not I I think I know the answer to it, which is gonna be no comment. Uh, but you'd said you had some designs for your for, for modules. So does that yes. mean that not anytime soon? I'm not asking for like a confirmation, but you you have seriously been considering or or you know, thinking about uh coming up with a module, which is like incredibly awesome, right? So just like to see that you've been able to come into the P3 environment here and you've gotten the support and you've found it easy enough. I mean, obviously we all have our bad days on on anything, (laughs) Uh, but you've found it easy enough to move forward and to complete projects that, I mean, I think you know again i don't expect you to necessarily comment but i i do want to reiterate i think it's pretty awesome that you've had a good enough experience with all of uh, everything that the p3 has to offer that i mean we might see a game from you at some point on a on a like a, a your own module that you've created and that is like the coolest thing ever right i mean for yeah. you to be able to kind of like build up to that um so
2: it's this is the only platform where that would even be possible. So uh, I, as just some idiot off the street, (laughs) to create a game and then have the ability and facility to make that commercially available for other people to play, Um, along with the support of a company that will review my product, make sure it's something that meets their standards and uh, provide it to their customers. It's it's amazing. So yes, I, I actually have two designs which I've been working on uh, on my own. And um, those are in different stages. I haven't put down any software for either yet. Um, but I do have the full layouts for each uh, on... I, I'm kind of old school. So in the way that I do design. Um, so for each of my projects where i've gone from scratch i, I hand drew the schematic um for these i, I drew the playfield layout on vellum paper <laughs> which is what they would do in the olden days um <laughs> so uh at some point i'll have to put that in cad probably and and have somebody cnc it but uh um
1: but yeah that's well, when you when you get closer to that uh you know to where you might be like announcing like Hey, I am working on a module, uh, you know, like expect something, not soon, but at some point, it would be really interesting to maybe even have you on a third time and kind of uh, go over the experience you had, right? Like with not only creating, um, you know, the, the games that you've created thus far, but going through possibly if you had feedback, like to tell our listeners, like, how relatively straightforward it was to be able to actually have a module like designed and what kind of goes into that. Cause that's a whole other like mystery. I think even for myself, like I don't, I don't know how that'd work. Like, does Jerry, you know, kind of take what you have and you know, like what, what is that whole process? So I think that would be really cool for us to have on an episode uh, when you're able to talk about it more, you know, when you've gotten to that point, but that would be cool too.
2: So, um, and, uh, yeah, I as much as you'd like me to talk your ear off, I am happy to do so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, get ready, buddy. <laughs> and then uh, I guess Parnell, I'll, I'll let you ask the the last question of of the evening here tonight.
0: All right, Nick, we've asked this to a couple uh, couple guests, and it's always interesting to hear what people say. But <laughs> what do you think makes a pinball game fun? And what are things you shoot for to implement in a game? So
2: fun is pretty subjective, right? Mm -hmm. Different people like different things. And as far as pinball goes, what I like is, uh, the way that the ball interacts with different aspects of the game and provides, uh, a sense of accomplishment to the player. So, If you take an EM, which is, uh, you know, something that I have a a deep and abiding love for, um, there are typically sequences that you shoot for, and there are different targets which have different point values, and they're spelled out, and it is easy to walk up to one of those and say, I need to hit this target in order to advance this sequence and then get closer to my goal of earning replays or... um, Doing whatever thing to advance the game so I like a game that is fast your ball is never held for a long period of time uh, there's never a uh, way that your ball can be hidden from view for a long period if that makes sense so uh, things like scoops I'm not a not a huge fan of scoops in Uh, pinball, you know, that's kind of a modern thing uh, where the ball just disappears and then maybe it pops back up from the same place or maybe it goes through a subway somewhere else. But I like something where it is very obvious where the ball is at all times. Um, So if you notice in Ranger in the Ruins, for example, the ball, well, I will say, except in one instance, the ball always comes from the same spot everywhere. You know, you you shoot into a scoop, it comes out, and it launches the same way every time. So you always know if it hits that scoop, it's going to go up there. Um, I don't like that kind of surprise. So uh, the other thing is is a straightforward rule set. So the things that I shoot for to implement in a game are things that are easy to grasp, but not necessarily easy to complete. So again, I take... Uh, kind of my inspiration from electromechanical games. Um, some of the games from the 50s might have five, six different sequences or ways to win, and being able to quickly, and I'm not saying that I'm very good at designing a game like that. The the people who designed those were masters of that kind of implementation where you get very close to uh, two, three even four of those goals, but never quite achieve one of them in a game, uh, that is a specific type of mastery that I uh, don't believe that I possess. But I like a game where it is fun to try to get closer to something. Um, so in Ranger in the Ruins, you know, you're know, you trying to uh, get that sum of all knowledge. And the way that you accomplish that is by... Having uh, a game that is standout, spectacular, uh, but it's also straightforward. You know, the point values are always spelled out. It is really easy to jump in, push the start button, launch the ball, and and play it. Um, and again, there's the lack of surprise as to where the ball is. The ball is always in motion. Um, I I don't hold the ball for any period of time. Once it hits that scoop, it immediately fires and uh, launches back up onto the play field. So um, those are the things, that's a really long-winded answer, like all of my answers, but uh, <laughs> those are the things that I like.
1: <laughs> well, perfect. And, um, you know, thank you so much again for taking the time to sit down and talk with us and answering the question. We like to kind of ask all of our guests, right? Because like you said, it's so opinionated. It's always interesting. I mean, especially when we've gotten to sit down with people that have been in the the pinball like industry right like Mm -hmm. not just hobbyists but people that are content creators for our hobby and not just in the form of like podcasts or you know youtubes or anything like that but actual like designing pinball machines and distributing games you know so it's definitely uh it's it's always cool to kind of get in into someone else's uh, point of view when they're able to answer that. Cause it's a difficult to answer question. You're like, well, it's something that's fun, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I want it to be fun. Like what kind of stupid question is that? But you know, when you look deeper, it's like, you know, like your explanations like spot on. And I mean, I, I think almost every designer in pinball is chasing that, uh, you know, they might not use the same uh, example, or the same like path, but they all have that same end goal, right? Because at the end of the day, pinball is mainly coin op, right? And they want coin drop, and the only way to get coin drop is to make the game feel like mm, you know just one more. I need so to close. play it again. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, essentially, you you hit the nail on the head of I think every major pinball designer ever. You know what their goal is, which is to make a game you can't stop playing, and uh, Parnell is a is a testament to that. He's an asshole, but he's a testament because he'll ask me questions about your game that I tried to explain to him, and he'll immediately start a game and start playing and uh, not listen Good. to me at all. <laughs> so, hey. yeah, it, it, you knocked it out of the park there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's the, the best compliment I can receive. So I, I very much appreciate that. Also, I will say that I violate one of the things that I just said that I don't find fun in my next game. So look forward to that. <laughs>
0: I'm super excited. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Uh, All right. Is that
0: that because of of your daughter's design or theme?
2: Uh, Nothing that anybody finds objectionable or problematic or or has problems with as far as fun in the game is my daughter's fault. It is all my fault, 100%. Oh.
0: (laughs) My curious question about this is, did she come to you to try to make a game?
2: So we've been talking about it. She is 10 years old and we've been talking about it for a couple of years. She's seen all the stuff that I've been doing for most of her life and um has been interested in in what I'm doing and I've taught her how to restore games. I've taught both of my my kids how to restore games and um or or fix them at least read schematics all that kind of stuff. So they're pretty well uh, into the hobby themselves. They don't obviously have any games of their own. Um, although, uh, you know, one, I, I'm really proud of both my kids. And since you've asked, I'm going to talk your ear off about them for a second, but, um, anyway, what, one of them has, uh, restored a game. There's a, inside thread about it. It's a turf King from 1950. And, uh, that was, that was her game that she restored when she was eight. She's 13 now. Um, but, uh, Anyway, she did a great job. So the 10-year-old, you know, I started talking with her, you know, I'm going to make another game. And she said, you know, Dad, it would be cool if there was this concept in pinball. And I said, you're absolutely right. So we sat down and sketched out um, how the game would flow. And then we've had to have several conversations uh, over the weeks about how certain aspects would be implemented. But, um, she's been a great collaborator. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've told her about some of the ways that I've had to change our initial concepts to make it fun to play. Um, and again, you know, my concept of fun isn't necessarily everybody's, but we had an, an, overarching theme and then we had specific concepts for each scene within the game and then um, you know each of those had to have specific functions and and that's where the really nitty-gritty rules were made that's me Um, but the the broad concept was uh, both of us together so it's been really fun and she's gotten to to try the super duper broken versions that I've made so far and uh you know has enjoyed the the theory behind them at least so <laughs> hopefully as it progresses and it becomes more playable it'll um you know be something that that she enjoys and and we can both look back on fondly when it's done
0: well that's part of my dream for my kids and I as well so I uh look up to you and hope I can copy paste that to my life <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't go, can we put ACDC Lucy on the P3? <laughs> yeah, I
2: you know, it's it is very rewarding to create something in general. And uh it is doubly so to start and finish a project with your kid. So um if that is something that that you can fit into your life, I definitely recommend it. Um, so that's my tiny bit of accumulated wisdom.
1: <laughs> um, so I'm trying to see, man, we've, we've been jumping. I don't know if we're going to have
0: time for the main, we might have to actually, if Nixon cools it, record a different show only yeah. talking about game making on P3.
1: Oh
2: yeah. And we'll have,
1: love to have you back. Cause, uh, if we don't, we're going to be here another two hours. <laughs> no. yeah. If you haven't had enough of me already, then I'm always happy to talk to no, you. We'd, we'd love to have you back. Thanks,
0: uh, guys. If you look at the notes below, I yeah, I really wanted, uh, just to kind of get an idea for me, well, and <laughs> any listeners that want to make a game, but kind of the basics on game making and how you start and thought process and any tips and tricks, so I think that would be a great episode to to be able to have the time to dive a little bit deeper on. Yeah. Cause you know, that will be a multi hour conversation.
2: Yeah. That's, that's a big topic.
1: Yeah. So we'll save that for next time you're on. Maybe we'll have you on in a, in a week or two when you're free again. And, uh, it can just be like this highlighted stuff right here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just the dev stuff.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we can get a deep dive into the development side of it. Happy to. Well, perfect. Well, Parnell's going to cry. Uh, looking at how long the podcast is here, but on that note, we want to thank you again for having you on and, and sharing just a wealth of knowledge. And, um, uh, we look forward to having you back soon, but, um, good day, good evening, good night. <laughs> goodbye.
2: <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on guys. And, uh, I look forward to every episode. Thank you. Yep.
0: Thank yes, you. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, i'll have to edit this out but my but my wife has been texting me like this this kid's toy tractor won't stop going off by itself and so she brought it downstairs <laughs> and i just heard it go off i'm like what the hell it's haunted gonna, St- stupid john deere should have bought a Kubota. <laughs> i'll have to take the battery out at some point
1: Carnell, you're you're just gonna have to mute yourself. Oh my god, quick, I'm gonna buddy, have to get a screwdriver. Go take care uh, of that. Well.
0: Luckily, uh see I did it again. See, I, I do that. Oh my gosh. Um cheapers. <laughs> I'm like addicted. this <laughs> you is just did it it's again. like worse than alcohol. I'm just like addicted to those noises. I uh mm. see, see, can't get away from it. I didn't know what I was gonna say. All right, okay, well, we're moving on.
1: Um, so now that we've moved on. That's an um, hour of
0: editing, Ryan. <laughs> Whatever, Farnell, you can get over it.
1: You're the best.